it's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at a week of wrestling with your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, where we take a look back at the big three. That's Monday Night Raw, the NXT, and Friday Night Smackdown. Now, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to say, Shabalabado! It's time to start the wrestling show! So, hit that theme music, and let's go! It's time to start the wrestling show in... Ain't a one, ain't a two, ain't a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. Well, well, welcome to The Wrestling Show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of Representing the WWE and live from the Canada Life Center in Winnipeg, Manitoba. That's in Canada! It is uh, Monday Night Raw, air date August the 14th, 2023. This episode is, uh, of course, the ever-concluding uh, aftermath of SummerSlam. Now, before we get started in the show, just a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. <clears throat> That's right, the non-competitors. First and foremost, representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, they are the team of uh, Jackie Redmond and Byron Saxton. And heading into the ring, we had the announcer, letting everybody know who's about to fight and the results of such a fights. It's, of course, Samantha Irving. And last but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. <clears throat> Sorry. They're the team of... Now, he's uh, one of my personal favorites. He is the uh, a future Hall of Famer. He's the man with the raspy yet also soothing voice. My personal rant crush, it's Wade Barrett. And backing Wade Barrett up is longtime veteran of over 25 years. It's Michael Cole. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get the show started. Let's get the show started. <clears throat> That's right. Now... Usually do start the show with the most dominant force in uh, the, the show. And right now we got ourselves the Judgment Day. I see clearly, but only three of them. That's right. Three members of Judgment Day come out. And they are, of course, uh, Rhea Ripley, Dominic, Dirty Dominic Mysterio, and uh, 
Damien Priest. They come out there. And, uh, of course, Rhea Ripley does her spiel. Talk about how great they are. And how they run Raw for the WWE in general. And, of course, uh, it's Damien Priest. He's a little upset that the fact that, uh, you know what? Uh, hey, where's, uh, where's uh, Finn Balor? So, yeah, I mean, uh, she's things saying, uh, they're saying that things aren't going so well. Um, no, with the, uh, but right now, Finn Balor is going to smash the hell out of Cody Rhodes. But where is Finn Balor right now? And, uh, Damon Priest is like, uh, hey, uh, Dominic, hey, Dominic, you know where he is? Come on, it's La Familia. You got a problem with this, Dominic? It's Dominic. Dominic didn't say anything, have anything to say. But uh, while they're having a little uh, inter internal conflict, conflicts right now, uh, a little bit of a, a J.D. McDonough shows up. And he has some messages. For, uh, he wants to pass some messages along from uh, you know Finn Balor. And Rhea Ripley's like, No! We don't answer to anybody. And if you're not Judgment Day, we're not answering to you. No! So yeah. You know, a little trouble there. And then that's when Sami Zayn decides to run in there for some reason. Sami Zayn decides to run in there. He knows there's nothing. But, but I don't know. He's, I guess he's so angry. I don't know. Well, clearly, he runs in there to attack. And uh, uh, J.D. McDonough tries to stop him at the pass. But he knocks down J.D. McDonough. And he gets the ring there, in there. And he, uh, I guess, Judgment Day, uh, Finn Balor. And uh, it's uh, Demon Priest, Rhea, and uh, Dominique. They don't want any part of it. They don't want any part of the Sami Zayn problem. And of course, uh, Sami Zayn turns to and tries to beat up some, uh, you know, J.D. McDonough some more. And that's where, uh, you know, Justin Day just take off. They go, well, whatever, that's his problem now. But however, while trying to take over, trying to beat up some more J.D. McDonough, J.D. turns things around, you know, and then ends up smashing uh, Sami Zayn into the post. Into the steel post, he smashes his arm into the post. And then he runs him headfirst into the post. And this was weird because right after the commercial break, they put a match together. These people fighting in a ring. These people fighting. J.D. McDonough versus, uh, you know, uh, Sami Zayn. This was a really good match. And there's a couple of things in here where they had to fight outside for a bit there, which kind of ruined it a little bit. They fought out there for about, uh, you know, a little over uh, maybe uh, 35 seconds. No, maybe. No, over a minute. They fought like over a minute outsider. Anyways, we'll deal with that when it comes. So, the wrestling, these two good fighters, D.D. McDonald, Sammy Dean, just incredible athletes inside the ring there. They're great competitors, performers, whatever you call them. It was a great match up till the end. You know, a lot of back and forth. Uh, J.D. McDonough and Sami Zayn go through one uh, a sequence. It was pretty cool. They go hit, they hit the ropes for Continental. And, uh, you know, international, I should say. And... Uh, well, Sami Zayn drops to the ground. You know, he does a leapfrog, drops to the ground, and he rolls backwards, and then hits. Uh, it's like almost like a monkey flip. JD hits the legs, and he gets thrown halfway across the ring. It was beautiful, beautiful move. Nice spot, a lot of uh, air. And JD McDonough, he's one hell of an athlete, I gotta say. He's got some great moves. You know, uh, he Sami Zayn's got the elbow issue. He looks like uh, last week he's got his uh, golf ball growing inside his elbow. <clears throat> Blames it on J.D. McDonough. Never happened like that, though. But anyways, J.D. McDonough, he stands on, uh, you know, Sami Zayn's head, 
grabs his arm and stands his buddy and throws himself backwards, drops backwards, trying to pull the arm off Sami Zayn. But however, this fight, like I say, this fight does eventually go outside. Sami Zayn tries to throw, uh, you know, beat up uh, some uh, JD outside. JD ends up draping the arm of Sami Zayn into the uh, you know, barricade that separates the uh, timekeeper's area from the wrestling ring. Sami Zayn then goes to the uh, commentating table to get some solace down there. But uh, JD McDonough jumps onto his arm trying to smash that damn elbow and he falls down to the ground. Now, they go to commercial break about one minute into this action of outside the ring. So yeah, referee just does not care about countouts. So yeah, they've been fighting outside for quite a while. And when we get back to the action, they're fighting again inside the ring. Now to the ending sequence. We go Sami Zayn getting a better half, better side of uh, JD, um, giving his patented exploder suplex to, you know, for things to come, which is going to be one hell of a kick. So Sami Zayn setting, for, setting up for one hell of a kick. And while he's doing that, Finn Balor gets to that ring. And uh, Sami Zayn notices him. And uh, JD McDonough, for the last bit, trying to get the best of Sami Zayn at the end part of the match. But however, he puts Sami Zayn down. He goes to the top rope for a massive moonsault, but Sami Zayn meets his face with his feet. Pow, pow, pow. Now, it's not looking good for JD McDonough. But Finn Balor jumps onto the wrestling ring, the apron, where what he gets, he gets punched in the face for, his, uh, for all his hard work that he's putting to cheating for JD McDonough. He gets punched in the face by uh, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn turns his attention to JD McDonough and finishes off with one hell of a kick. One hell of a kick to the face. Over for uh, JD. Mm-hmm. So yeah, clean victory for Sami Zayn. It was a good match. Other than the uh, the old uh, fight outside for like however the hell you want to, but the wrestling was great. I appreciate it. And speaking of appreciation, we go backstage, is with uh, Adam Pierce, and he's got some bad news from Chelsea for Chelsea Green because you know what when you when you're in tag team and your partner is injured, they usually take your belts away and they they reward another team championship uh, the titles, whether through a you know a tournament or a, a match. But it's usually stripped. And if this was WNXT, if this was NXT right now, the belts would have been stripped as soon as they found out that the wrestler was injured. But right now, no. Things don't happen like that in the main roster. Other like if it did, uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens would have been stripped weeks ago. Kevin Owens being seriously injured. I'm not sure what his injuries are, but he's been gone for, very, for a couple of weeks now. So yeah, of course, Sonya Deville with a torn ACL. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure she got it taping these ridiculous games with, uh, you know, Austin Creed and his Up, Up, Down, Down show. So it comes down to this. Why? Chelsea Green's uh, worked too hard and long for these belts and she thinks there's got to be another way that maybe she can replace the lame Sonya Deville with somebody else. It's like, well, I'll hold tryouts, I'll do it. And then we got ourselves a little bit of uh, Casey Catanzaro and, uh, you know, Katana Chance. It's a Katana Chance and, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, Caden Carter and Katana Chance. They come down to the ring there. And, uh, no, come down to come down. And uh, they're actually, you know what? I thought this would have happened. You know, I thought the Katana Chance, Caden Carter would have said, hey, listen, those belts need to be dropped. She's injured. And uh, it's time for new champions. And they think we're up for the challenge. What do we got to do to get those belts? Nope, they don't say that. 
They said, well, you know what? Once you find a new partner, we want to be first in line. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, with that said, got ourselves a little bit of uh, an attack. It's a Piper Niven. Punny in there with uh, punching uh, Katana Chance in the face. Knock her down. And she declaring herself new tag team partner, which is absolutely ridiculous. Now, Piper Niven's a tag team champion for what? For nothing. Just like, up, oh, I'm a champion now. Period. End of sentence. So much nonsense. What really should happen, it should have, should have happened, is that their belts stripped and uh, some tournament made for new champions. And if uh, um, Chelsea Green and uh, do, uh, you know, Pepper Niven decide to be a tag team and win it, uh, then that's another story. That's another story. But anyways, um, Piper Nivet declares herself uh, Chelsea Green's partner. Chelsea's like, you know what? Um, I've got auditions, you know. I've got auditions. Well, if you would just give me your name and your number and perhaps your Instagram handle. That was hilarious. Chelsea Green, she's, damn. You know, her quiffs and her, her, her comedic timing, I gotta say. It's the, uh, you know, chef's kiss of uh, compliments. It's just, it's a, yeah, I'm a big fan of Chelsea's. Big fan of Chelsea's. Uh, so this is good for Piper because uh, Chelsea is, she's instant heat. She can bring some, she's got coattails can be ridden for days. So next up, we got ourselves a Kevin, um, what's that? Uh, Byron Saxton with Cody Rhodes. And uh, it's basically a pre-match interview. Cody Rhodes has a match with uh, Finn Balor and Cody Rhodes. It's stretching time talking about the members of Judgment Day, whatnot. And, uh, you know, he's uh, basically, he's ready for Finn Balor, Cody Rhodes. And what's that? Uh, Michael Cole calls him the Beast Slayer. The Beast Slayer. Uh, I think uh, Michael Cole suffered a stroke during the weekend. They're going that far? Come on. Come on. So now next up, we got ourselves the uh, Imperium. It's uh, Gunter with uh, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Do it to ring there. And uh, Gunther uh, takes uh, his position on top of the commentating table uh, to declare, uh, he, well, he talks about stuff. He brings down Winnipeg, saying Winnipeg is the armpit of Canada. I heard other places being the armpit of Canada. I didn't hear Winnipeg being that place. But anyways, Winnipegians are all upset. And while well, he's talking stuff about uh, Winnipeg and whatnot, you know, we got ourselves a little bit of the Alpha Academy. Uh, it's uh, Otis uh, Maxine Dupree and future challenger to the Intercontinental Championship title, it is Chad Gabla. Rhymes with Tabla. Um, so they come down there, and then, of course, they talk a little bit more. Then it's Ludwig uh, Kaiser. He's got the huts for uh, Maxine Dupree. He goes in the ring there, and he wants to, once again, he's uh, smitten by her beauty. He's like, you got the thing. You want to stay with these losers. You know, you come with me. Something like that, you know. Uh, um... Yeah. So he ends up getting slapped in the face. He gets slapped in the face for his good, uh, you know, for his uh, thoughts. But it comes down to this: Chad Gable. He's been waiting ten years for an opportunity. Ten years for an opportunity like this. Like Chad Gable is a multi-time tag team champion. When I say multi-time, I believe it's two-time tag team champion um, with the Alpha. Uh, you know uh, what's that? Uh, both teams called Alpha. Alpha Academy and uh, American Alpha. 
you know. So yeah, 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 I guess he's looking for his big opportunity. But right now, he calls up Giovanni. He calls up the the big, beautiful, and bald um, Giovanni Vinci. Because uh, right now, he's gonna have a warm up match with Giovanni Vinci, and next week or later on, it's gonna be a match against uh, Gunter for the championship title. Championship title. So yeah, this match, Chad Gable and uh, Giovanni Vinci. This was uh, this was a good, very good match. It was just a, a standard five minute, a lot of back and forth. Uh, this could have been huge, but I don't know. This, this wasn't that uh, wasn't that great. Gotta say, wasn't it? It could have been better. Gotta say, and uh, that uh, notification is totally true. So what happens? We got ourselves uh, a little bit of the uh, you know. Well, it's a lot of back and forth. This match was about five, a little over five minutes. Um, you know. Chad Gable with a couple of good throws on uh, Giovanni Vinci. But here we go. At the end sequence here, Giovanni tries to get the upper hand on Chad Gable. He goes for a massive, uh, I guess, a uh, second rope moonsault. Hits Chad Gable with it. He picks up Chad, because it's just a second rope moonsault. What is that? What is that? He picks up Chad Gable. He tries to do his finishing move, a uh, power bomb. The, uh, you know, but he doesn't get his natural power bomb on because uh, Chad Gable, you know, he, he rolls through it. He counters it. He lands on his feet. And then he gets behind Giovanni Vinci with a massive, I guess you can call this finishing move, the Chaos Theory. It's a O'Connor roll to the German suplex. Now, here's my problem with this move. The German suplex he's starting to do, it's a stalling suplex. So he picks you up, stands you up so you're in here, no movement at all, and then he leans backwards, taking out, taking all the mustard away from this move. So there's no mustard in this move whatsoever. No, like, off. There's no off factor in this move. Other than he does an O'Connor roll and picks you up. He's like, well, he's strong. But uh, Giovanni Vinci, he's, it's not like a, whoa, look at him. He just picked up Giovanni Vinci like that. Well, Giovanni Vinci is a cruiserweight, so that's it's no, not impressive. And that suplex was just just so slow. And it, it was a finisher. I was shocked it worked. So this was so shocking that uh, Gunter, he was so angry. It's like, you know, this might be the armpit of Canada, but you guys are the armpit of humanity. And he's so angry. It's like, he does not want to leave this day like this. So he challenges Otis for a match himself. Gunther versus Otis. Now, this next match, it does happen. It's about, this one is about five, just the same length as the first match, about a little over five minutes. Different outcome, obviously. Different wrestlers for a different outcome. Um, but I thought Otis was a natural wrestler. I thought he was an amateur wrestler. We showed nothing. Otis is a Otis is clearly Otis has got maybe a hundred pounds on Gunter in this, you know, in real life, my hundred pounds on him. But Otis, what is his skill set in the ring? Punch and kick guy, big guy to punches and kicks. That's it. Pretty much it. You know, it's uh, disappointing to say the least. I'd say. So what happens in the match? Gunter now, Gunter. He is such an insane work. He's, he's one of the greatest out there. And in, uh, they say, in 25 more days from today, from the uh, SmackDown, or from Raw, from the uh, 14th, from uh, 25 more days from the 14th, he's going to be the longest reigning intercontinental champion in history, surpassing the great, uh, he's a honky-tonk man, he's a honky-tonk man, he's cool, he's cocky, he's bad. That's right. So, Will, Gun Will Gunther be holding that belt for another month? 
who knows what uh, but i think yeah the chances are good but how about this match this match was like i say a little over five minutes um gunther really destroying uh you know otis in that ring there just smashing his uh, nose in there elbowing the, his bridge of his nose now we got to a point where uh now otis he takes a lot of beatings when he gets punched or slapped he takes his orbs and he shakes his belly shakes his belly no 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 he did that with Gunter too. Gunter gave him a good little slap there. He tried to shake it off. He, he blocks the kick and he turns things around. Finally, turns things around in this match. You know? Um, now, the big setup move, the big move in this match is uh, Otis gives uh, Gunter a, a, what's that, an exploder. It looks like an exploding suplex, exploder suplex. And he thinks that was it. That's enough that he has to do to put Gunter away. So Gunther's down and he decides, oh, time to put him away with my uh, caterpillar. I'm sorry, you don't break the caterpillar out on uh, top-notch comp uh, competitors like Gunther. You break him out like on uh, Drew Gulak's and uh, to Akira Tozawa's. You know, that's who you break it out on. So he tries to do the uh, caterpillar on uh, Gunther. He gets a couple caterpillar uh, rolls in there, and then he gets kicked in the face. Big old drop kick to the face. And then it's a big old power bomb. Now, Gunter is about 100 pounds heavy, lighter than, uh, you know, Otis. And this power bomb, I'm thinking, how is he going to pick up Otis? But he didn't really pick up Otis. Otis basically did a flip in the air. He picked him up. He just uh, spun around and just dropped him down. He was, there was no, you know, picked Otis up on the shoulders. So Otis was not sitting on uh, Gunter at all. So it was interesting, but Gunter did end up powerbombing Otis, ending the match in over five minutes. But after the match, however, Chad Gable got the last laugh. He snuck in there and got a cheeky a German suplex on, uh, you know, Gunter. Then he left. So after that, we go backstage. It is with uh, a little bit of the Judgment Day. Judgment Day! I'll uh, iron out some problems. You know, uh, 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 Rhea Ripley. She thinks they're so fractured now that uh, people aren't afraid of the Judgment Day anymore. They're not the dominant force, you know. And then JD McDonough comes in there, and uh, Damien Priest like, "Oh, what the hell are you doing here? This is Judgment Day business." And uh, Finn Balor's like, "Oh no, no, don't worry about, it. don't worry about him. We gotta worry about ourselves." So basically, it's going to be a match, Finn Balor's main event match with, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes, and it comes down to this. Uh, they want to set an example on Cody Rhodes to prove to the WWE that yes, you shouldn't be trifling with the Judgment Day. Basically comes down to that. So yeah, they want to set an example. Will it happen or not? Who knows? We'll find out later. So with that, we go backstage with Jackie Redman with uh, Drew McIntyre. He's back. And the question is, what's next for Drew? And before any answers can be, um, any questions can be answered, we got ourselves a little bit of a, a riddle, Matt Riddle in there. And riddle me this. Apparently, the uh, Viking Raiders have the authority to have an open challenge match. Open challenge match. The Viking Raiders, really? Who are the Viking Raiders? They're just, they've been jobbing every time. They're like, they're like new Lucha House Party. You know, the super heavyweights of uh, the Lucha House Party. They're the new Lucha House Party, what I think. It's a, you know, they're just uh, jobbers. So who are they? They're not belt winners. They're not belt owners, you know, to throw an inter open invitational. So regardless, uh, Matt Riddle, he decides to take that open invitational and he's inviting uh, Drew McIntyre to be his tag team partner. 
where Drew's like, I'll think about it. If you don't get a partner by the time the match starts, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Really. So I wonder how long you know, Drew McIntyre's got to think about being uh, uh, Riddle's uh, partner, Matt Riddle's partner. Matt's like, oh, you didn't say no. Woo, yeah. Yeah, bro. So anyways, the match is now. Matt Riddle's music hits. He goes to the ropes, hits the rings there. And then the uh, Viking Raiders go to the ring there. Uh, you know, um, Eric and Ivar with uh, Valhalla at their side. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's uh, finally Drew McIntyre's music hits. And they go down the ring. Now, what's great about now, now this tag team match? I got to say, it was uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. The tag ropes were used all the time. Drew McIntyre was on the ball. This was a legitimate tag team match. No joking. No joking. The rules were bent. Now, however, this was, however, uh, the Viking Raiders. And it showed a couple things. One thing here is uh, the Viking Raiders were getting demolished by Drew McIntyre. I think uh, Matt Riddle was the only one in the match here. Obviously, him and uh, Drew McIntyre. Matt Riddle was there to make uh, make the match look like it's competitive. And then uh, Drew McIntyre was there to smash the holy hell out of the Viking Raiders. And that's how it happened. The whole match. You know, uh, no, they had a moment here. They fought outside the ring. And uh, they fought about uh, half a minute outside the ring. You know, half a minute outside the ring. Um, it was two on one, where uh, Eric throws Matt Riddle face first into a uh, scissors, into a scissors, uh, face first into uh, Ivar's scissors, scissors his face, and then uh, basically Santons uh, just sit down Santons him outside the ring. They do that for uh, thirty seconds, about thirty seconds. You throw Riddle back in the ring there. Every time Riddle tags out, it's always a hot tag in for, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre gets tagged in, and he goes hamtown on the Viking Raiders. They just get thrown around like a bunch of morons, like little little guys, like uh, nothing. Like a bunch of jobbers. Like uh, Eric gets uh, German suplexed out of his boots, just thrown, just thrown across the ring. Now here's one thing. Ivar, I always say this, Ivar is one talent. He's a talented guy. I think if Ivar is a... Uh, uh, was on a different path. If he wasn't with the Viking Raiders, I'm sure Ivar will be would be a champion by now, many times over. It shows cases this here too. Even though this was a move taken by Ivar, it was like if this move wouldn't be done without Ivar's great wrestling abilities. Now this move was uh, he hits those ropes and he charges at Drew McIntyre. Drew picks, swoops him up, a scoop, Michinoku driver, a scoop Michinoku driver. You know this is, could never be done without the help of uh, Ivar. His insane abilities to wrestle. Okay, enough with that. So, eventually, Ivar, he gets uh, thrown outside the ring there. Uh, Eric tags himself in. And Eric gets thrown into the ring by Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre throws Eric into the ring like he's a punk-ass bitch. It was hilarious. Eventually, eventually, Drew McIntyre tags out. And as, as soon as Matt Riddle gets into the ring there, he gets clobbered by the Viking Raiders. Instantly. Now, we have a move here. It's supposed to be the Doomsday Device by the Viking Raiders. I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not. I'm exactly sure what happens. It just fell kind of flat. Um, Eric picks up, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, Riddle, Matt Riddle, by the waist. A waist lock, picks him up by the waist lock. And then uh, 
Ivar is supposed to jump off, gets a springboard off the ropes. This time it's springboard rather than being on the ropes and jumping off. Springboards ropes for a clothesline. The doomsday device. But however, he did not jump in the center of the ring, the center rope, part with the ropes in the center of the two, uh, you know, turnbuckles. He jumped close to the turnbuckle because, you know, if you jump in the center where the two turnbuckles, the ropes, jump in the center of the ropes, you get the maximum amount of spring. Maximum amount of spring. Jump towards the uh, turnbuckle itself? Nope. Nope, you're not going to get return energy at all. And that's what happened. Um, Ivar hit those ropes, tried to jump turn, jump turn, and do a, the uh, Doomsday Device clothesline, but however, it looks like he ended up bashing Riddle's ball sack. As you know, he uh, hit him on the throat a little bit. But it was, it was really underwhelming, underwhelming. Riddle kicks out of this underwhelming Doomsday Device. Eventually gets a hot tag into Drew McIntyre. Drew does a huge damage again. Both Viking Raiders find themselves outside the ring. Riddle, with a massive floating bro, hits Ivar outside the ring. Knock him out. Eric decides to run back into the ring. While doing that, he clobbers Riddle on the way into the ring. He runs, tries to clothesline uh, Drew McIntyre, misses. He hits those ropes. Drew McIntyre hits the other ropes, and they meet together with the Claymore to Eric's face. This match was over just like that. About 11, about uh, like I say, this match was about six and a half minutes long. Six and a half minutes long. Um, this was all right. This was an okay match. Moving on, we go backstage. It's a pre match interview, not pre match, pre match. Uh, you know, there's just friends helping this girl out. Just a pep, pep talk. It's uh, Indy Hartwell's pre match pep talk with uh, what Candice LeRae. In Raquel Rodriguez. Because Raquel wants uh, Rhea Ripley bad. But uh, she's got injured. She's got, her, she's got issues of her own. You know. She's not cleared apparently. According to uh, storyline. So yeah. This is uh, Indy Hartwell. She's all upset. Because uh, you know what. Indy Hartwell and uh, Rhea Ripley. They got the same trajectory. They're both fellow Australians. Started about the same time. But one thing. Rhea Ripley is always one step ahead all the time of Indy Hartwell. Rip, Rhea Ripley's been champion way before Indy. Indy has been champion, but you know what? Um, Rhea has just been the woman much faster than Indy. So Indy wants to show some. She wants to prove to the world that yes, she's ready for Rhea Ripley. Next up, we go backstage and with the, uh, you know, um, Matt Riddle and, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre talking about yes how great a match they had in their future as a tag team and possibly tag team champions and when they said that my goodness we got ourselves a new day coming back looking fresh as ever you know the new look of uh, Xavier Woods you know anyways they come back and Kofi Kingston's talk but uh, apparently these two Riddle and uh, Drew McIntyre they already have a name apparently I believe the name is called the uh, the Glass Bros the Glasbros. Mm-hmm. Because it's Glasbro, Glasgow. I don't know, regardless. So, yeah, it's like, listen, you guys, what, you guys come in here and want the tag team champions already? You guys are barely a team. Not just that, you guys aren't even friends. So, really? And then it's uh, Xavier Woods. He starts saying, yeah, I've been gone for a couple of weeks and the whole WWE's on his head. He says a couple of examples and stuff, and then he says, even uh, the Street Profits think they're <laughs> Shelton Benjamin and uh, <laughs> and uh, Cedric Alexander. That was quite a sting. Quite a sting, yeah. 
be referring to uh, Herp Biz 2.0. My God, ridiculous. So anyways, it comes down to this. You Are you serious about uh, being a tag team? Why? We got to put this to test. A challenge next week. Tag team match. Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston versus the uh, Glasbros. Uh, Matt Riddle and uh, Drew McIntyre. So that's going to be interesting, if anything. Next up, we go into the ring there with the, the big match, the big um, women's division match. Judgment Day's Rhea Ripley uh, in the ring there. And she's got uh, fighting Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell. This match was about three minutes in length. Now, before, as soon as the match starts, Indy Hartwell is still doing her stretches. So she gets attacked by Rhea Ripley. You know, Rhea Ripley's dominating this match. She's strong style. Rhea Ripley's got a really strong style of fighting. I, I, I don't mind it at all. She's just bullying. No high, no high flying. Just the straight up a strong style. Just clobbers her to the ring, uh, the, uh, you know, ring posts, the turnbuckles. She chucks her to the ropes and then she follows him with a massive spear. Huge Rhea Ripley spear. Then, of course, she tries this one more time going to the well once too often, they might say. She throws uh, Indy Hartwell to the other side of the ropes, the other side of the ring post, you know, the other corner of the ring. And she follows in with a spear, but however, pulling the perfect 4.0 Otis, she misses Indy Hartwell, ramming herself into the ring post, giving Indy Hartwell her chance of, uh, you know, tr of trying to win and getting on top of the match. Now, however, it didn't last long. You know, it was... Uh, Indy Hartwell, they take the fight outside. Indy gets uh, thrown face first into the uh, into the post. Didn't shouldn't work that way, not for her. And then she gets picked up, and then just like almost like Bobby Lashley, what Bobby Lashley does in his regular fights when they fight outside, he picks him up and she rams him into the ring post. These moves should be illegal. Should be uh, moves where you get uh, disqualified. But no, because Rhea Ripley didn't pick the ring up and throw it at uh, her opponent. It's not a disqualification. Not disqualification. So anyways, they fight outside for a good half a minute. Out there. Good half a minute outside. You know, so referee doesn't care. Again, another match where they fight outside for quite a while. So Rhea Ripley throws in, you know, uh, Indy Hartwell. Now Candice LeRae is by her side, her corner. Candice LeRae outside there. And Candice LeRae is all worried what's going on. And she gets attacked by Rhea Ripley. She comes, runs back outside, knocks down Cancellor Ray. And just like Monty Python, I will fart in your general direction. She, uh, she puts down her, she walks away from uh, Cancellor Ray, lifts up her legs and slaps her ass at uh, Cancellor Ray. What does that mean? Did she fart in her general direction? Or it's like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. So she slapped her ass at uh, Cancellor. She gets back in the ring. This is the chance uh, of a lifetime for Indy Hartwell. She goes for a, uh, you know, inside cradle. Didn't get it. Rear Ripley just kicked out. Rear Ripley knocks down, uh, just bashes uh, Indy Hartwell. Sets her up for a riptide. And that was it. That was it. Let's say under three, like about three minutes. It was over. Rear Ripley with a big victory for Indy Hartwell. And however, after the match, it's shocking. I wouldn't have thought two, uh, two faces would do this. Or are they faces? The way uh, with Cancel Ray tries to attack, attacks Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley fights off uh, Cancel Ray. And then it's uh, Indy Hartwell attacks, so it's two on one. And ending up uh, Cancel Ray and, and uh, Indy Hartwell 
beaten up some Rhea Ripley finishing her off with the cancel ray giving her a massive Santon a standing Santon off her back squashing some Rhea Ripley even though cancel ray is maybe about 100 pounds soaking wet so I don't think that would have hurt Rhea Ripley at all not the slightest but anyways after that we go to the ring it's with Michael Cole with the face to face with the Shinsuke Nakamura now apparently it's the question we all want to know actually just Michael Cole wants to know because we already know the answer to the question and the question is why did you attack Seth Rollins last week after your tag team match against the New Day or not New Day against the Judgment Day and obviously we all know why if you want to get a tag if you want to get a championship match you attack the, cha the champion and his ego would want you to have a fight and then the, the match is on it happens all the time it happens through wrestling history it is what it is and what it is now it is what it is so of course Shinsuke with a heartfelt speech you know telling he's pouring his poor heart out to the audience there unfortunately it was in Japanese so then not many people understood especially me but uh, however the Canadian crowd was pretty respectable so he's talking Japanese and then we got ourselves Seth Rollins comes to the ring you know the Messiah all in white one of the greatest out there thank goodness not wearing those ridiculous yellow uh, Crocs over oversized Crocs it's so ridiculous. anyways so he's in the ring there and uh, comes down to this you know Seth Rollins says uh, guess what uh, what he acknowledges what he did it's like uh, what you did uh, you know it's you played me you played me you played me perfectly you set me up and you knocked me out and you know quite frankly this uh, this concerns me this whole thing concerns me Shinsuke because you know I'm gonna have to give you what I want give you what you want if I want to get what I want and what I want is a beat the holy hell out of you and what you want is a chance a championship match basically is what they're saying so here's the thing shake my hand like a man like a man so the whole handshake thing so of course Shinsuke sly dog he is he shakes the hand of Seth Rollins whispers something in his ear maybe something in English maybe something in Japanese you know but it made Seth Rollins worried but I'm pretty sure Shinsuke said uh, you watch out you turn your back and I will Kinshasa you when you're not looking so uh, Seth Rollins was very concerned after that very very concerned and uh, they shake hands. Shinsuke leaves. Seth Rollins like, oh, what's what does what did he mean? What? And he turns it back, and of course, Shinsuke cuts him back in the ring there. And one Kinshasa later knocks the holy hell out of Seth Rollins. Don't turn your back on that Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura. So now next up, we go backstage with a little bit of the Byron Saxon with the Vamiz. Uh, and if you like to talk about the altercation he had with LA Knight the other week. So yeah, these LA Knight and Miz, it's going to be some fun stuff. These guys are top uh, quality uh, mic, uh, mic performers. Um, they're very entertaining wrestlers. This should be a fun little, uh, you know, a feud. A fun feud. Now here's a funny thing about this. Uh, now, the Miz, he wants to set an example for uh, LA Knight. So he wants to have a fight. He wants to set up a match for next week. A set up a match with a mystery opponent but this mystery opponent he says is going to be bigger faster and more dominant than anybody LA Knight has ever faced you know 
And uh, we all know LA Knight has faced uh, The Fiend. Already. You know, Bray Wyatt. So, what's he trying to say? I'm thinking this next week. The Miz is going to have a fight against, I don't know, a uh, Tazawa, perhaps. So it's going to be ridiculous. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe even, uh, what's that, uh, a member of uh, the uh, uh, Hit Row, you know, or Drew Gulak. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's going to show, show uh, LA Knight a little uh, something, something, a little uh, show what she's, what's going to happen, I don't know. So Miz is going to set an example of next week for LA Knight. Having a match with a mystery opponent, we don't know. I, at least, I'm pretty sure it's going to be some... It's going to be fun, at least. Okay, next up. We got our next match. This match is in women's division. Um, this was supposed to be a SummerSlam match. Never made it to SummerSlam. And watching this match today, I realized why it wasn't on SummerSlam. It's like, wow. They probably watched them uh, working this match and they thought, whew. You can't have that shit on SummerSlam. That's just garbage. Now, I believe Trish Stratus, she's one of the greats. She can put together, I've seen Trish Stratus matches where it's just a barn burner. Just fantastic. Just a real knuckle duster. Um, Becky Lynch, the mom, she's got a lot of good intentions in the ring these days. She's got a lot of energy. She's, you know, she's a go-getter. She's a busybody in that ring. She's got a lot of hustle. But I don't know. I don't know. Something's going on here. This match was uh, very... Whew. <laughs> uh, this is level up style here. This was uh, tough to watch. Tough to watch. Now we got a point where uh, the mask of Trish Stratus falls off. Becky Lynch goes to the ropes. But the referee stops the match. Stops Becky Lynch for doing anything. While until uh, Trish Stratus puts her back on her mask. She does this and this where a, a sequence goes in play. A failed sequence. It was really ridiculous. It was uh, Becky Lynch because Stefani gets to the sec sits on the second rope there, facing into the ring. Then it's uh, Becky Lynch. She goes for her massive, uh, what's that? Uh, the stratosphere. She does a handstand on the first ropes and try to uh, her could you grabs your opponent by the head wire with her feet and throws her off. Didn't work the first time. She goes on the ropes there. I guess I don't know. It didn't work. But second time's a charm. Second time she goes up there and Becky Lynch with the... She's, oh, you got me! You got me! Oh, oh, oh! And then she bends over and then she takes the lamest front bump off the top, off the second rope. Oh, this match. Nothing but bad things to say. They fight outside the ring. Becky Lynch gets thrown into the uh, steel steps and she bumps. Oh, bump! Ooh! Oh, so sad, this match. Nothing. Just, it was so depressed watching this match. This match should have been great. But it was just, it was just terrible from start to, uh, to finish. Now, Becky Lynch gets put back in the ring there. Um, Trish Stratus removes her protective mask off her beautiful face. And then Becky Lynch, she reaches in and grabs that mask. I think uh, it's supposed to be, uh, Trish was supposed to bash her with the mask, but Becky Lynch grabs that mask. The referee grabs the mask off Becky Lynch and the match continues with the maskless Trish Stratus. Now we gotta move. Becky Lynch loves to go on the ropes there, but she does nothing off the ropes. She just likes the idea of going off the ropes. Now, here's a perfect example. Becky Lynch, now she usually goes off the top rope and goes completely vertical, no, completely horizontal off the ropes. She gets no height, zero height. This is even worse. She gets on the second rope there. I think, I always say, if you're going to do no height off the top rope, you might as well go off the second rope and get height off the second. So if you might as well jump off the second if you're going to just do nothing off the top to at least make the second rope look good. But she goes on the second rope. She holds herself up on the second rope. 
So she holds herself in place in the second rope while she has her feet on the second rope, on the third rope. She has her arms on the third rope and she has her feet on the second rope and she just lifts her legs up so she's sitting down. Zero height and she just drops herself down onto uh, Trish Stratus. This was the lamest move I've ever seen. Well, I've seen some lame moves, but this was right up there. Anyways, it gets worse. They're fighting for top rope supremacy, supremacy so to speak. Um, Trish Stratus is on the second rope, sitting on the top rope, feet on the second rope. She gets Becky Lynch into the, uh, you know, headlock. And she goes for a tornado DDT. She spins around. Trish Stratus just ends up placing her back on the third rope, sitting on top of the third rope. Ends up with a massive second rope suplex. Second rope suplex. Wow. Well, very unimpressive. Happened. What are you going to do? So after that... Trish Stratus decides to leave the ring. She tries to make an escape, and she does. She goes to the ring there. She goes to the, uh, tries to escape the crowd. Bick Lynch grabs her. They start fighting some more. And after 27 seconds, or 24 seconds, 24 seconds of outside the ring, 24 seconds, the referee stops the match. 24 seconds. Like I say, this whole day, they've had many matches that fought outside for longer than 24 seconds. Zero count outs. So that's ridiculous. So it gets even worse than here. Not only do they fight outside the ring, they fight up the ramp, not up the ramp, up the stairs into the concession area where the fans go. You know, they block this up there. And then they fight at the merchandise table. And then they have a spot where it's like they have a, they have a big spot, looks like they had planned, where uh, Becky Lynch uh, goes on top of these uh, storage, these, uh, you know, storage bins to give her a massive uh, rock bottom or manhandle slam but she gets pulled off by uh, you know Zoe Stark and then it's one sick kick later and that was it for Becky Lynch it was over it was over her lights were out and uh, Trish Stratus and uh, Zoe Stark walk away victorious at least feeling victorious the match was nonsense so now moving backstage now Gunther with some words with his team he feels that there's way too much support insubordination going on with the Imperium. Let's talk to uh, Giovanni Vinci. Ever since coming to Raw, he's been doing nothing but being an embarrassment, losing. And uh, Gio, and uh, what's that? The, the Kaiser! He's been too preoccupied with the beautiful Maxine Dupree. No, he's been way too preoccupied. He's got he's to get his team back online, back in order, because, of course, next week. He's got a big match against uh, Chad Gable. Chad Gable next week. So for the Intercontinental Championship. So, uh, yeah. If there's, a, uh, there's a chance Chad Gable can win it. It's been 10 years since Chad Gable... Uh, well, it's been... Chad Gable's never won uh, in, uh, individual championship belts in his 10 years. So could they start now? Or is it, it's been 10 years, why start now? So next week, will he win... Uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's tough because uh, I think they want uh, to give Gunther the flowers of uh, becoming the greatest intercontinental champion. But, you know, he's got a lot of time to prove himself to be the greatest. Regardless, moving on. We'll decide that later. So we got ourselves a little bit Jackie Redmond trying to get an interview with uh, Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark. And we got ourselves Adam Pierce coming on there. He's very upset with how the match ended. Now, Zoe Stark came into the match, even though the match was well over since Zoe Stark came into the match. So, it comes down to this. It's not over. 
Because next time these two fight, I was hoping it would be over. Because damn, it was a terrible time. Maybe they can outdo themselves. Because next time they fight, it will be inside a steel cage. And Zoe Stark will not be able to help no matter if she, even if she tried. But you know, she won't be able to help physically. We can all know that you can always help your friend in a steel cage. You can slide things inside a cage between, a, you know, the kendo sticks. Throw kendo sticks inside a cage. Help your friend out with some weapons. Anyways, it's going to be a big steel cage match coming up. And with that, we go to our main event match. Cody Rhodes. Oh my god. He's coming out the ring there. Very Wrestling big. has more than one royal family. One. I got a rumbling in my bowels. And I think I'm gonna blow There's a bathroom stall, I'm finally here The toilet's there, I'm about to blow I ate five tacos before the show Shut the door and I sit down on the throne Whoa, I was never party trained When I was younger my father was never there I did a perfect day, don't have to do lingerie I told my mother, and if you did That's right, Cody Rhodes takes his sweet-ass time getting to that ring there Because this match was, well, they had a long time to film It was uh, about, uh, this match was about 14 minutes long 14 minutes long, this was a lot of fun, this match this was a lot of fun. Cody Rhodes and uh, Finn Balor. A lot of back and forth in this match here. Um, now, in this match was hilarious. We had a moment here where right early in the match, it should have ended right there. Should have ended right there. This was this is a regular match. This is not a no disqualification match. Anything goes match. No, this is not a no holes barred match. So we have, a, why I say this? We have a moment in the match where Finn Balor is, is, is draped across the ropes here. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're holding ropes and uh, your opponent is uh, touching you in any way, the referee is giving you a count, giving you a five count to let go. So Cody Rhodes grabs Finn Balor by the feet, picks him up. So now Finn Balor is being held up by the ropes and Cody Rhodes. Now that's, uh, he, he's got five seconds to let go. He's, the referee's not doing anything. And then the, Cody Rhodes goes one step further. He kicks Finn Balor directly in the dick that's right he kicks him in the dick that is a disqualifying move you cannot kick someone in the dick you know that you get disqualified you go hey ref what's that there kick in the dick but what you can kick people in the dick now Pfft, what Pfft, whatever and cody why would cody kick anybody in the dick for he's supposed to be a he it's supposed to be a face you know good guys don't kick people in the dick so anyways, referee doesn't care. Yeah, well, Cody likes to kick people in the dick. So moving on. After seeing that, oh, it's uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley saying, what the hell? You don't kick Finn Balor in the dick. Time for some revenge. He run to the ring because, damn it, you don't, you don't go around kicking people in the dick. So they come out because they're really upset now. And uh, Finn Balor takes out, uh, you know, knocks down... Uh, Dominic Mysterio outside. I mean, the fight goes on there. Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, 
and it's like back for he gives uh with Finn Balor, you know, he starts winning, and Cody Rhodes turns things around with a massive uh, disaster kick. And after the disaster kick, we got ourselves another member of Judgment Day hitting the ring there. It's Damien Priest with his Money in the Bank briefcase. And he gets, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes' attention again. So now he got ourselves Cody Rhodes against uh, uh, four people. Four people. No, Finn Balor takes over for a little bit. He gets uh, Cody Brown's Rhodes down for a massive coup de gras. And we all know because of the match with the every match Cody Rhodes you know he looks like Cody Rhodes is getting his ass kicked it looked like it can look like Cody Rhodes being practically dead and he can pop up in any second oh look Cody Rhodes is almost dead pop up nothing happened and he's fresh as a daisy so Cody Rhodes wow yeah it's so ridiculous watching Cody Rhodes fight because oh I can barely move one second next you know it's like I'm rendering as a fresh as a daisy nope nope so anyways, I knew this was going to be. He gets uh, Cody Rose, he's, he drop kicks him in the corner. He gets ready for the coup de grace. I'm thinking, yeah, this means nothing. He goes for the coup de grace. Cody Rhodes gets up like a fresh, pops up like a, a fresh like a daisy. Like nothing happened. And then he fights on Cody Rhodes, just, just, just walloping Finn Balor. Gets him with the Cody Cutter. Um, sets up, uh, well, he's going to set up for some move. Um, he goes, hits the ropes there. Um, and... It's the referee. He's his mind somewhere else. He's looking at uh, Finn Balor. Cody Rhodes hits those ropes and he gets his foot hooked by Damien Priest. Mm -hmm. Now he gets even worse. The referee's like everywhere. Uh, he's trying to get uh, re ripped. He's trying to jump in the ring there. Referee's like, go, what are you doing there? Cody Rhodes is on top rope. Damien Dominic Mysterio pulls his leg. He crotches himself on top ropes there. Um, Finn Balor ends up with a legitimate suplex, third rope suplex, massive suplex on uh, Cody Rhodes. Doesn't matter. Cody Rhodes can pop up when he move. So yeah, match goes on. Dominic Mysterio ends up sliding in a chair for some reason. Referee sees that, stomps on the chair and stomps on uh, Finn Balor's fingers, you know, by accident or on purpose. Who knows? But anyways, um, the, the referee decides to throw the chair away, put the chair aside, and uh, it's Rhea Ripley getting in his way. What are you doing there? You gonna put the chair away? Oh, referee, I'm, I'm, you can't do that. Uh, you gotta get through me if you wanna put your chair away. Something like that. And then it's uh, Finn Balor and Damien Priest with the most ridiculous thing. Damien Priest like, hey, want the briefcase now? Want the briefcase now, Finn? So when he has a briefcase, he's about to slide towards Finn. Finn, like, uh, with his legs wide apart, gonna receive the briefcase, so Brief, uh, Finn, uh, Damien slides the briefcase in the ring. It slides right into between Finn Balor's legs, past Finn Balor, right to Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes grabs the briefcase, smashes Finn Balor in the face with it, and then smashes uh, Damien Priest in the face with it, and then giving Finn Balor the crossroads. I need a match. It was, uh, yep, it was it. It was the match. Cody Rhodes won. Today I would proudly say I would have told my father I'm a big boy now. Oh, but before they can celebrate at all, it's a surprise attack. Of course it's attack. It's uh, going to be 4-1, but however, Sami Zayn runs to the ring with the uh, little elbow problem and all. Runs to the ring there, try to help out with the chair. He gets, uh, he even, even sings out a bit, a little bit, uh, for a little time. Until, of course... We've got some help. J.D. McDonough enters a fight with a massive forearm to the back of uh, Sami Zayn's head. 
And then it's Judgment Day. They put the stomps on uh, Sami Zayn. Put the stomps on uh, Cody Rhodes, give him a choke slam. The South of Heaven. South of Heaven. Then Finn Balor with the massive coup de grace on Cody Rhodes. They take the fight outside a bit with uh, Sami Zayn. Beat him up a little bit. Sami Zayn gets a coup de grace outside of the ring. That's right. Um, Finn Balor jumping off the uh, steel steps. And then back inside the, uh, outside the ring, actually, Sami Zayn gets uh, into the razor's edge thrown through the commentating table. That's right, Sami Zayn. Ow, what a night for him. And then in the ring, not be outdone, Finn Balor goes to the top rope and one more coup de grace finishes it for Cody Rhodes. That's right. And seems like they're a cohesive unit once again. It's the Judgment Day. So going off air, looking like uh, champions. You know, like uh, everything is uh, no more, uh, you know, cracks in the Judgment Day, you know, facade, so to speak. Now, that does uh, wrap it up for this week's episode of, uh, you know, Raw. But, uh, I say, but uh, stay tuned. Now, if you are a, a podcast listener, uh, stay tuned for our coverage of NXT coming up after this break. But to our YouTubers, our YouTube, you know, um, that's it for this uh, episode. I've been your host, Lip Hazelwood, saying I'll see you next time on The Wrestling Show. It's that time to take a very cynical look back at the NXT. On a wrestling show, oh, 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 baby. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome to The Wrestling Show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT air date, August the 15th, 2023. This episode is the road to heat wave. That's right. Now, before we dive into the big show, just a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right, as we usually do. Um, and usually representing the man of the company, the person who makes all the decisions. He hasn't been there for a long time. It regularly is... Sean Michaels. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops. It is our very own Mackenzie Mitchell. And heading into the, the uh, ring... The announcer, it's Alicia Taylor. And last, but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew. The play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They're the team of the two-time, that's right, the two-time Hall of Famer. Um, the man with the checks and the championships on his mind, Shucky Ducky Quack Quack. It's a Booker T. And, of course, backing up Booker T, it's the always the voice of reason, and a tippity-top commentator on his own right, and a dig-diggity-dog. It's Vic Joseph. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. And we start off a big, a big, the match. Well, this was uh, 
problem. No, this was a big match. This was a lot of fun. It's a tag team match. This was uh, for the tag team championship of the NXT. Currently, um, defending and reigning champions, it's the uh, Angelo family. You know, uh, Tony D'Angelo and the underboss, Shanning Stacks Lorenzo. And fighting, of course, it's representing the schism. It's the Dyads, Jagger Reed and Rip Fola. In this big old match. And with the Dyads is, of course, uh, their leader, Jogue Acey, and uh, Avarain. And with them, of course, is their uh, minions, their minions, mask wearing minions, yellow masks, happy face masks. Mask wearing minions, of course. The Dyads these days is reminding me a lot like the Dark Order. The Dark Order 2.0 is the Dyads. Actually, it's the Shkishim. The Shkishim. Okay, so what I thought during this match. Now, they were flanked around the ring with the, uh, the I guess, the minions of the, the Shkiz. The Shkiz Mins. And I see on the back there, it looks like, oh, what well, it looks like it could possibly be the Creed, the Diamond Mine. Brutus, Julius Creed, and Ivor and Ivy Nile. I thought, well, they looked. Are they already there? I'm, I'm assuming that there's going to be some interference with the uh, Diamond Mine today, because they've set themselves up for this, of course. Because mass, you can't tell who they are. Oh, 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 oh. So what's going on in this match? This match was about uh, almost 14 minutes in length. No, the tag. When it came down to tag rules, as in tag, were tag rules used? Yeah. These guys, it's NXT. They always use tag ropes, but this match did uh, fall off the rails a couple of times. You know, everybody was in the ring at once. The referee has no idea what's going on. No idea what's going on. So yeah, so the match goes on. They had a big spot where the dyads were outside the ring. They had a big old thing, the big old scrum inside the ring with all four. They go outside the ring there, and then that's when uh, the big move where Channing stacks Lorenzo is thrown out of the ring. Big old Beal out of the ring there, right on top of uh, the Skiz. I mean, the Dyads. Who are part of the Schism. Anyways, we get to a point here. It was hilarious. It was it was maddening, this part. Where uh, it's, of course, Stax and uh, Jagger Reed are in the ring. And Jagger attacks, punches Tony D'Angelo inside the ring. Tony gets like, oh, that's it. I'm, I've had enough. He tries to get inside the ring there. And uh, Channing Stax Lorenzo gets, you know, uh, Jagger uh, Reed into a fantastic uh, small package. A small package. You know, gets been a, and the referee's like still arguing with Tony D'Angelo. His back's totally turned on this whole situation. They, been, they must have been in this small package for at least 30 seconds. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I was like, oh, come on now. Come on now. So eventually, yeah, Tony D'Angelo did get into the ring there, and he stomps a mud hole in both, not just uh, Rip Fuller, but Jagger Reed as well, and on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So we get to point there, where we have a nice Topi Suicida, I mean, uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo's outside there, and Rip Fuller with a massive. You know, I'm sure it's, it's uh, Jagger Reed with a massive Topi Suicida on top of... Uh, now, here's where it gets interesting. The, the fighting really didn't matter because it's basically how the, the match ended. So, we have Av uh, Ivy Nile. Now, I thought Ivy Nile was already in costume, but she wasn't. I was wrong. The people whom I thought was uh, the, uh, what's that, uh, Diamond Mine were not. 
So Ivy Nile walks down to the ring there and Joe Gacy and his gang say, hey, come over here, guys. Let's block her off. So they all go to uh, have a ring or Ivy Nile, I should say. And then behind the scene, oh my goodness, Yager Reed gets jumped by a, one of the uh, minions. And then Rip Fuller gets knocked down by one of the minions. We, uh, he gets picked up and, oh my goodness, I guess one of the minions knows how to do the uh, the cartwheel Santon. The cartwheel driver? I'm not sure what the hell it is, but yeah. Um, Julius usually does it. It's a Julius move. And while everything, all these schismas, like, all their backs are turned to what's happening in the ring. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And, uh, you know, inside the ring, it's Rip Fuller uh, thrown back into the ring there. And uh, he's finished off with a, uh, I guess you can call it, a uh, STO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the Rock Bottom. So, yeah, it's one of those. The Manhandle Slam. Either way you want to put it, that's how it's done. That's how it was finished. Um, and that was it. Joe Gagey uh, turns around. Joe AC turns around like, Oh, why? Oh, what happened? My big plan. We're going to have another meeting. Mm -hmm. What he needs is an evil Uno at his side. So now here we go backstage here. It's, uh, I guess, uh, Carmelo Hayes. He's signing up little uh, autographs there for like uh, future uh, people who want some, who wants to buy some merch. And Wesley comes out here and he sees he wants his opportunity at the uh, World Championship belt. And he's like, hey, listen, uh, you, you shouldn't look past Dijak, you know. He's totally looking past Dijak for this next match. Uh, coming at uh, coming at you in the heat wave. The heat wave. So, yeah. After that, we go backstage again with uh, the Chase University. Chase U. I should say Chase U. Um, Andre Chase, Duke Hudson. And it's Andre Chase all proud of himself. Like, I got a match for Thea Hale. For Thea Hale. And it's uh, against, uh, you know, uh, JC Jane. And this is an opportunity that uh, Thea Hale has to uh, prove herself that, that you know, she can do it. Stuff like that. She could control herself. Anyways, it's another chance for uh, Thea Hale. Thea comes in the ring. Thea comes to the side there. And she comes in there and she starts talking about... Uh, um, you always know what's best. You always know what's best for everybody, don't you? Duke Hudson. Actually, not Duke Hudson. You already know. You always know what's best for us, uh, Andre Chase. Now, of course he does. This is Andre Chase U. This is Chase U. This is... Andre has to know what's good for everybody. Otherwise, it, the name wouldn't be under him. The university wouldn't be under his name. Anyways, regardless. They storm off. It's going to be a big match. Thea Hale versus JC Jane coming up in this show. So, and uh, coming up now, it's, uh, I guess, the match we've been waiting for. Now, the other week, it was, uh, what's it, uh, Kalani Jordan versus uh, Blair Davenport, put together by uh, Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. You know, you got to call out the big dog. She doesn't have an accent. You got to call out the, you got to call out the big dog so you can beat, you have the killer instinct. Yeah. So, Blair Davenport beat uh, uh, Kelani 
last week. And now this week, it's uh, Dana Brooke. She wants to show what the killer instinct looks like. She wants to show uh, Killani what it means to have a killer instinct. So ridiculous. You know, Dana Brooke, anybody but Dana Brooke. Goddamn, Dana Brooke. Mm-hmm. I guess she's good at uh, gymnastics. What about this match? This match was about four minutes in length. Four minutes long. Mm-hmm. This was surprising. No, I guess not totally surprising because Blair Davenport, she's a great wrestler. She's a really, really good wrestler. Um, and she can work with anybody and she can she knows how to work, period. So this match couldn't be that bad. And she, of course, what was strange now, it's what I thought was strange about this match. Early on in a match, early on in a match, you know, of course, Dana Brooke tries her high-flying skills with a nice little tope through the second, third. But we have a moment here when they get back into the match. This was really early on in the match, uh, about a minute in. They fight outside with the tope. They go inside there, and Dana Brooke is caught with a knee to the stomach, just like Kalani did during her loss to, uh, you know, Blair Damport last week. So she gets a knee to the stomach while she's doing the ropes. Then uh, it's Blair Damport. She climbs to the top rope, and she does, like, the coup de gras on the back of uh, Dana Brooke. Usually, like this week, this set up the old knee to the face and finishes the match. Now, this could have easily finished there. After this move, she could have just kneed uh, Dana Brooke to the face and finished the match. Would have been easy. No one would have been complained except me because I like long matches. So, I just like complaining because that's what I do. So, after that, Dana Brooke, what, she didn't get pinned. Dana kicked out because there was no knee to the face. There was no knee to the face. Now, they scruff, they fight on. Dana Brooke did put up a good fight. She ends up having a couple of sections of where she's actually dominating a little bit, getting, a, you know, um, what's that, uh, Blair Davenport into a powerbomb, powerbombing. Blair Davenport, I couldn't believe it. Now, here's where it gets off the rails. I guess killer instinct means cheat. So, Dana Brooke goes outside the ring there, picks up the old uh, timekeeper's bell, and decides perhaps to do a uh, musical number on Blair Davenport's head. But while going into the ring there, she's confronted by the uh, her prodigy, the prodigy, uh, Kilani. She says, what are you doing? What you doing? You can't use that, you cheating scum. She didn't say any of that, but she didn't. She refused to let Dana Brooke get herself disqualified. Because this is not, you know, a no rules, no holds barred match. You know, if this were, go ahead, use it, uh, Bell. Draw means. So yeah. They fight on. They, she lose, leaves the bell behind. Dana Brooke, uh, for a couple of chances, try to uh, win the match with this really weak-ass O'Connor roll. Tries to roll up uh, Blair Davenport. Didn't work. They scrap on more. They scuffle on a little bit more. Um, ends up, uh, Dana Brooke tries to get a schoolgirl on Blair. Didn't work either. Blair got up fast. And then with an instant, the flash knee to the face. Wacko! She could have ended it there, but did not. She ends up grabbing... Uh, Dana Brooks' hands, and then force-feeding her face, the knee! A knee to the face. And that was it. It was over. Blair Davenport wins. Dana Brooke, as usual, she loses. That's what she does. She loses. So, after the match, of course, it's uh, Kilani Jordan. She gets. She sits on the side of uh, Dana Brooke. I know. Comforting Brooke, I guess. Brooke with that uh, face that uh, like she smelt a disgusting fart. 
She's looking at uh, Kelani's hand like, eh, what are you doing? I don't need your help. Me, me, me. I'm Dana Brooke. I've been here for 60 years and I did nothing and I'm still going to do nothing. Okay, she didn't say any of that. I'm just being an asshole. But uh, yeah, Dana Brooke with that stink face. It's like, you know what, Dana? You don't put stink face on your meal ticket, okay? Kilani is your meal ticket, Dana Brooke. Don't ever forget that. So here we go. Moving on. Backstage again. It's uh, Dijak. He's going to uh, Carmelo Hayes for the opportunity for it uh, World Championship belt. And of course, Carmelo Hayes like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You don't even have a match at, uh, you know, Heat Wave. I do. So you got to get going. You got to get stepping on Wesley's dreams to get here. He didn't really say much like that, but you see, you got to deal with Wesley first. So yeah, both looking forward to the big match. Wesley and uh, of course, Dijak. Now moving on, we go into that ring there with uh, Drew Gulak and his team. Uh, he, Drew Gulak has got his whole team there. It's uh, Charlie Dempsey and uh, Damon Kemp. Now this match here, uh, versus, of course, Trick Williams. Now, Trick Williams has got a match coming up against Dijak coming next week. The big uh, heat wave match. So this is basically a, a Trick Williams warm-up match. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now with that said, with Drew Gerlach, it's Charlie Dempsey and uh, Damon Kemp are by his side, by his side, the training partners of Drew Gulak. Now, this match here was bad. Now, this, this only proved that... Uh, Trick Williams is not ready for Ilya Dragunov. Not ready at the slightest. This was... Whew, whew, this was bad. This was straight up bad. Now, it was a lot of back and forth. Now, we got a point in this match here where it's strange. Uh, Trick Williams going off the ropes here, and he, he runs into uh, uh, Drew Gulak. It was like this odd-ass clothesline. Larry, I'm not sure. But it seems like they smashed in the middle of the ring because they both forgot what to do in a match. And Trick Williams, he's going walking around the ring there, and finally he decides to poke his head outside the ring. Just so he can get punched by Damon Kemp. The ref's there like, oh, hey, oh, I, 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 I didn't see that one. Even though he was facing it. So Damon Kemp with a cheap shot to the face, even though uh, it wasn't really cheap, it wasn't really a cheap shot because Trick Williams went up there to uh, greet that cheap shot. So it's so nonsense, so much nonsense, I tell you. So we got a point there where Twick Williams gets his, a fantastic uppercut punch onto uh, Drew Gulak. Like a pop-up punch, pop-up uh, uppercut. He pops him up and then when he comes down, he punches him in the face. So uh, Drew Gulak gets knocked outside the ring. Twick Williams follows him inside the ring. Throws him back inside the ring. The referee, obviously, he follows uh, Drew Gulak inside the ring and just puts his back on the uh, action outside, as always, as usual. And that's where... Uh, well, Damon Kemp, he made sure that referee's uh, attention was uh, misguided, misplaced by jumping on the ring apron there. I mean, Drew Gulak could have done that himself. They usually do. And then it's Charlie Dempsey from behind. Gets, uh, you know, Trick Williams and suplexes him. A German suplex, a non-release. And then slides him back into the ring. Hoping things would go good. But it does not you know, the fight goes on, and eventually, uh, you know, Trick Williams gets uh, Drew Gulak into a, what's that? A, uh, what's that? Uh, um, 
Insiguri? Uh, no, no. Well, he, he knocks him down. Anyway. Oh, how does the match end? Um, well, he Trick Williams. They get back to the match. Trick Williams gets uh, um, knocks down. Uh, what's that? Uh, Drew Gulak with like. Jeez, uh, um, I would say it's like an STO throws him down, and then we go after that. It's getting all confused, but I'm getting right back on track again. It's all right. After that, we got Charlie Dempsey jumping on the ring apron there. And, well, he jumps. He tried to get uh, the attention of Trick Williams. He gets kicked in the stomach for his troubles. Trick Williams ends up leaving the ring there and tries to attack Kemp, Damon Kemp outside, jumping on him. Just really weird how what happened. Now, here's where the end sequence is. Oh, boy. The end sequence now. It's uh, Damon Kemp and uh, Charlie Dempsey. They try to follow in... You know, Trick Williams into the ring there. And then we got them ourselves. Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen run out there and take out, take care of Damon Kemp and Charlie Dempsey. Inside the ring, Drew Gulak uh, and uh, Trick Williams. Drew Gulak spins Trick. Uh, Drew, they had a little thing, a little tiny scuffle. Trick ends up getting spun, spins himself around and uh, kicks Drew Gulak in the face. Drew Gulak drops down like a sack of potatoes. And that's it. One, two, three, it's over. One, two, three, it's over. Um, this match was terrible. Trick Williams looked bad. Drew Gulak looked like a fool. Um, yeah, uh, this proved nothing. Uh, it just I'm just worried about Trick Williams on uh, coming uh, heat wave. You know, how badly will Trick Williams get injured? I'm thinking an injury is going to uh, be the outcome of the heat wave <laughs> with Trick and uh, Ilya. <laughs> Trick's not ready. He's not ready. <laughs> it's so sad. Anyways, we move backstage. It's with uh, a little bit of Baron Corbin. And uh, with, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell. He's like, well, I got something to say in the ring there. You, what, you interested in what I got to say? She said, why, yes. You're there. Thank you. Of course she's going to say she's interested in what, uh, you know, Baron Corbin has to say. That's her job to be interested in what people has to say. That's her job to be interested, whether she's interested or not personally. Okay, regardless. Moving on, Corbin goes on in the ring there and he calls out every single person in the NXT locker room is uh, a bunch of soft-ass bitches. That's right, a bunch of soft-ass bitches. And that's when uh, Robert Stone and Vaughn Wagner come out there. Robert Stone, you know, you would think he's got the mic skills, but Robert Stone was, uh, he was irate. He was losing his shit in the ring there. He wasn't calm and cool, calm and collective. Robert Stone usually is. So he was losing it. Um, you know, Baron Corbin gets uh, Vaughn Wagner to speak for himself. Now, here's the thing. Vaughn Wagner... Uh, the whole thing with this is this. Uh, I believe Baron Corbin was trying to say, like, hey, listen, this is the new Baron Corbin. That's what I do, what I do, because then without consequences. Uh, hey, Baron Corbin. This whole gimmick is uh, the Viking funeral. And, of course, that's what his career is basically is evolved to, a Viking funeral, because this is the end of his stay, I think. <laughs> He's going to be a push guy. He's going to be a great NXT push guy. So here we go. Braun, I mean, it's, uh, what's that, uh, Baron Corbin, he's giving some advice to Von Wagner. But like, if you want to make it in this industry, if you want to make it here, you gotta need you gotta need good mic skills. You gotta get that microphone in your hand. He's right. You need good mic skills upon uh, other things. It just rounds off 
you know, the whole wrestler aspect. So here's the thing, Von Wagner, oh, he tore the shit out of uh, Baron Corbin on the microphone. It was great. I was shocked. You just think uh, Von Wagner is a big dummy, big strong dummy. But no, he's an intelligent man with opinions that matter. And of course, didn't did end uh, peacefully, they end up fighting. They fight outside there. Von Wagner was going to put him through a table, but it didn't happen. Ends up going to be a challenge. Von Wagner versus, uh, that's right, uh, Baron Corbin. At Heat Wave, baby! Next up, we go backstage, and it's with a little bit of the Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. Dirty Dominic Mysterio. That's right, Dominic Mysterio. And they're basically talking about... Uh, you know, the basic things. Who are the best? And she, basically it comes down to this. Rhea Ripley's got a problem with uh, Val Lyra Valkyria. So next week, it's going to be a big tag team match. Rhea Ripley, Dominic versus Lyra Valkyria. And, um, you know, Dragon Lee. So I'm thinking I'm mistaken with the, the new team. With Dragon Lee, um, Nathan Fraser, and Ulysse Leon, and uh, Valentina Ferroze. I thought that was going to be a team. But I guess that was just very temporary. Very temporary. Oh, contrary. It was temporary. So now with that, we got ourselves, I guess, if anybody, it's all about the images. You know? It's uh, Mustafa Ali. He's back again, and he's uh, on a campaign. He's on a campaign trail. Not for the absolute greatness, but for half greatness. He wants the North American champion. He's campaigning for the North American championship. Gold! And if imagery is everything, Mustafa Ali is everything. Because he just loves imagery. 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 Moving on. We go to our next match. It is uh, a Mr. Um, Wesley versus Dijak in this big old, you know, number one contendership match for uh, the uh, World Championship at Heat Wave. It is, of course, Wesley Dijak. Now, how was this match? This match was about... A little over 12 minutes. A little over 12 minutes. This was a really, this was a really good match. Really good match. Although it did have some really bad tropes in here. But you know what? I mean, look at Cody Rhodes. He's, he's made a living off uh, stupid tropes in his matches. So here we go. Now last week it was, uh, what's that? Uh, Dijak beating uh, Eddie Thorpe. Because he, his his shoulder, he bashed his shoulder. He worked his shoulder, and uh, it uh, tended to be hindered. Eddie Thorpe for his uh, victory, you know, he thwarted his victory so far. He lost because his shoulder problem. So what's going to happen here? Is Dijak going to work the shoulder? Why? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. But in the match here, I was surprised because uh, now Dijak gets hit with the alternate version, a, a version of the cardiac kick. He gets hit with a cardiac kick basically, without the, the front handspring. But it was a cardiac kick. Didn't end the match. Nope. Nope. But he did get one off. So anyways, after that, Dijak grabs Wesley by the, the top bun. He's, Wesley always carries a, he wears a top bun with his hair. He doesn't like letting it go. I don't think he might like it. Who knows? Wesley has a top bun. Dijak grabs him by the top bun and throws him shoulder first into the ring post. That's right. Into the ring post. What pow! Just like that. And then after that, he's trying to work it, work, work at the arm. 
with the uh, wrist lock. Just re-dram on that, uh, just wrench that shoulder out of joint. And hop that, they fight outside for a little bit, and wouldn't believe this, but Dijak picks up Wesley and lawn darts him outside the ring, into the ring post. Now it's a good thing, of course, you can do whatever the hell you want. You can throw your opponent into anything, and it's perfectly legal. Just as long as you don't use the object on the person. Because the other way around, you can get disqualified. It just makes a little sense. I think uh, the WWE, in general, need more solid, firm rules about what happens outside the ring. Mm -hmm. Anyways, moving on. Wesley does turn things around. Dijak taking... Now, Dijak tries to pick up Wesley, tries to give him his, uh, you know, his big old finishing move, you know, feast your eyes. Wesley counters it. He spins around Tornado DDT. Dijak takes a massive DDT on his head. He knows how to take a bump on his head. Did a very professionally look great. After that, Wesley, uh, well, Pete ducks the old super kick to the face, dodges it, and he picks up uh, Dijak with a power bomb. That's right. With his sore shoulder and all. Now, here is where it gets strange. The tropes kick in. Now, Wesley sets up for his cardiac kick, and then he goes for his kick, but, oh, his shoulder, oh, it gives out. Oh, 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 oh. He doesn't do a cardiac kick. Dijak decides, oh, I'm going to take it over. I'm going to win. And so he picks him up with the old uh, feast your eyes. He spins him around, and lo and behold, his knee gives out. His knee gives out. Oh my god. I'm like, really? Really? Whatever. So, they fight on some more. You know, does the end part of the match here? Wesley's pulled out of the ring and swung like a baseball bat into the steel steps and then thrown into the, the well, into the, between the, um, the soft padded barricade and the plexiglass barricade that's uh, between, that's blocking the fans off from the action. So he throws him in there and the referee's out there too. Referee has no intentions of doing any counting. No intentions. Because he knew it just looked like a fool in there, just like standing around like, oh, well, it's going to be more than a minute. How am I going to make a 10 second last more than a minute? Not count at all. I'm going to go out there and check everything. So it's ridiculous. You know that. So after Wesley got uh, disposed of between the two barricades, we got ourselves a little bit of a Eddie Thorpe. Eddie Thorpe. He comes out there, he, uh, he's very upset for because he got him embarrassed by a Dijak. So he goes face to face with him. And that's where Wesley got his uh, bearings back. He jumped, you know, Dijak. Hurricaned him, him into the uh, steel steps, threw him back into the ring there. And then, oh, his shoulder. He said, what about his shoulder? Why, he, he puts his hand between his legs and pulls his shoulder back into place. How about that? Just so easy, so easy to fix that. The, the shoulder trope. So sad. Anyways, and then a cardiac kick later. Whammo hits uh, Dijak, but that's not it. He goes on the top rope to do a, a corkscrew Santon bomb. The corkscrew Santon, beautiful. Beautiful. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Wesley, moving on to be number one contenders. Okay, so now next we got to uh, go backstage with a uh, little bit of uh, Dragon Lee. And uh, Lyra Valkyria with their little uh, bit of, uh, you know, how they interact with each other. Their chemistry, very awkward. Um, but they tried, they tried. They're, you know, they want to get on the same page, you know, get on the same level as Dominic and, uh, you know, 
Rhea Ripley. You know, and uh, Dragon Lee's like, oh, I can't go that far. I've got, I'm, I've got somebody in my life. What? That's okay. So does, so does, uh, you know, Rhea Ripley, and it's not Dom. Okay, move on. Moving on. We go backstage and it's with uh, Mackenzie Mitchell, with the uh, Tyler Bite, and Tyler will not be, uh, you know, distracted or. Uh, his, uh, his actions won't be dictated by Joe Coffey's anger. That's right. So yeah, it's going to be a big match. It's going to be Tyler Bate versus Gallus's, um, you know, Joe Coffey. Joe Coffey. Now it's hilarious because they try to egg uh, Tyler Bate on in a, this montage thing, this clip. And all Gallus boys, they look like little bumblebees. Little, little, little bumblebees. Like all being little uh, pests. Yellow and black bumblebee shirts. It is hilarious. <laughs> well, they are a little pests, you know. They're little pests. So, anyways, in this match here, we got ourselves uh, Tyler Bate by himself, Gallus Boys, uh, Joe Coffey, and uh, Marcus and Wolfgang at a sign. This match was about, uh, you know, about four minutes. Four minutes in length. Not very long. Not very long. And why is that? Why? We'll find out. Uh, now, the match, while it lasted, was pretty good. Pretty good. But I think they didn't want anybody to win this match. Nobody were to look good or bad in this match. Because this was very back and forth. Tyler Bate gets off his massive, uh, you know, his standard. You know, uh, the, uh, you know, springboard. The uh, lariat. You know, where he jumps on the, jumps on the ropes. He sops himself with his neck and his shoulders. He bounces back. Anyways, we move on. Joe Coffey gets thrown to the outside of the ring. Wesley, actually no, it's uh, Tyler Bate. <laughs> Tyler Bate, Topi Suicida knocks him down. This is the end part of the match. Because it's Yabba Dabba Kadoo! Dabba Kato comes in and uh, super kicks uh, Tyler Bate in the face. Tyler Bate goes down. And uh, I guess he's going after Joe Coffey now. But Joe Coffey, he gets saved by the... Gallus boys, they pull him outside the ring there. It's like, this bumblebee, you ain't gonna get this bumblebee. We're gonna pull him out. So yeah, Dabakato did not get, did not squash that little bee called uh, Joe Gacy. No, actually, Joe Coffee. Yep. Anyways, keeping it. Now inside the ring, of course, it's Tyler Bate decides to jump back into the ring. Jump back into the ring. And to get what? To get, uh, you know, the, uh, the power bomb, the choke slam power bomb, you know, the sky high power bomb is over. For Tyler Bate, I don't know why he went back in the ring to get beaten up for. Anyways, speaking of beaten up, we go outside the ring. It's with the outside ring outside uh, Baron Corbin. He's ready to go home. Why he gets, you know, a face to face there. Braun Breaker. He wants a couple of words with uh, Baron Corbin, saying, "Hey, what you doing? What you doing? Uh, you know, uh, I thought." Uh, I'm not done with uh, Von Wagner, you know. It's like, whatever, you know. But here's, here's the thing. During Heatwave, it seems of uh, Braun Breaker will be at, have his eye on that match. Which I totally think Von Wagner is going to win. Um, whether with the help of Braun Breaker, who knows. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, Baron Corbin's like, well, you know, unlike the rest of the locker room, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> yeah. He didn't cry like that, but uh, yeah. 
I, I personally think, yeah, it's great that Baron Corbin's back in the NXT because damn, they need a guy that can push. They can make uh, legitimate pushes to these uh, other athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Baron Corbin, I think he's going to do a better job in the NXT than, uh, you know, Apollo Crews. Okay, next up, we got ourselves a segment. It's called the, uh, you know, Triple H Truths. Hard-hitting home run truths. Something like that with Nathan Fraser. And he's basically talking about uh, Noam Dar and his uh, Heritage Cup. Now, Nathan Fraser is the Heritage Cup winner. But Noam Dar has a, another cup that he got back from Tyler Bate. Now, Tyler Bate beat Noam Dar for the uh, championship title. Or the Heritage Cup title. But uh, it seems that uh, it, it's, it's, not, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is basically at the heat wave. It's going to be in a match. Now, Noam Dar, he did not lose to Nathan Fraser. It was Oro Menza lost to Nathan Fraser, losing the Heritage Cup. Now, what should have happened was if Nathan, if uh, Noam Dar couldn't compete for his cup, the cup is stripped and they have a competition to be the next uh, Heritage Cup champion. So that whole, whole thing is nonsense. This whole thing is kind of nonsense. Booker T was completely confused about this whole angle. Very upset with Tyler Bate saying, oh, I can't believe you didn't fight uh, you know, Joe Coffey for that thing. It's like, hey, 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 it's the whole, this other belt, the other championship thing doesn't even, it's not even real. It's a fake. It's a fake. So yeah, yeah. Um, so that's happened. That happened. Uh, so at Heat Wave, we're going to have a, a unification t- uh, Heritage Cup championship match under Heritage Cup rules, I assume. And this is where uh, Norm Dar proves he's Supernova 11 and uh, becomes the new Heritage Cup champion once again. And this is going to bring the uh, metaphor more uh, prestige. Anyways, I'm a big fan of metaphor. Norm Dar, even with his beautiful little ponytails. He's got little titan ponytails. He loves his ponytails. Norm Dar loves his ponytails as much as I like Norm Dar. Moving on. And it's our big final match of the night. It's uh, JC Jane versus the Chase U's Thea Hale. This match was... A lot of good intentions. Not very good. Now, during the match, a lot of back and forth. During the match, uh, it's... Now, there's a mistrust going on with uh, Thea Hale and uh, Andre Chase. Now, Thea Hale does not want Andre Chase throwing in any towels inside the ring. But yet, Andre Chase is holding onto a towel. Why did you bring a towel to the ring, Andre Chase? She does not want you thinking about throwing in the towel. But yet, there it is, a towel in your hand. I mean, I don't think it's for your sweat, your forehead to brush off the sweat off your forehead. Anyways, with that said, JC Jane during the match, JC Jane uh, decides to uh, take advantage of the time alone and she uh, peels back the uh, turnbuckle pad. So this is going to this is going to be come in play later on, and it does. So Thea Hale, Dave Battlemore. Thea Hale's got this fantastic move. She does this uh, springboard, a uh, coffin drop or springboard trust uh, fall, um, Santon. Right on to, uh, you know, JC Jane. Now here's the thing. There was no kickout. There was no kickout. There was a three count right there. The match should have been over right there. No. JC's uh, too lazy to do a proper kickout. C'est la vie. You lost, baby. But the ref knew it wasn't supposed to end there. The fans just, you know, whatever. JC Jane 
lost in my opinion already but the match goes on now they scuffle for a bit more this match was uh you know about eight minutes you know about eight minutes long now near the end of the match it's uh they scuffle a little bit jc jane is about to grab she grabs uh, thea hale's head and kind of trying to you know deliver it face her deliver her face into the uh, corner turnbuckle the corner turnbuckle ring and that's when andre chase he jumps on the ring um he jumps on the apron there and fixes the turnbuckle pad so jc uh pushes uh thea hales into a, a soft cushion after that thea loses it on andre chase mind your business get down so yeah if the turnbuckle was off if andre chase did not do anything she would have hit her head on a little uh metal ring knocked herself unconscious lost the match but however the match goes on andre chase is in his shit book and uh, it is a small package thea hale wraps up it gets wrapped up she's got wrapped up in just her anger she turns around gets a uh, small packaged by uh jc jane that's right um xavier woods calls this uh the backwoods but if you are the recipient of this move you are taking it in the rear and that's exactly because i say that because it is the most embarrassing way to lose a match a roll-up it's true now after that jc um Thea Hale, not happy with the outcome. She's losing like that. Blaming Andre Chase. Really? Really? But it is what it is. Now, after that, we got ourselves backstage. Backstage. It's Wes Lee. Now he wants um, Carmelo Hayes' attention. He wants his contract signed now. Carmelo Hayes is like, well, you know what? Wes, I'll see you next Tuesday. So I was like, wow, that is, that is so, that's perfect. You know, I mean, uh, it'll only work if, uh, you know, NXT, only uh, only other time this would work if uh, NXT was on a Thursday, you know, because it can spell out the acronym just the same, just the same. Anyways, come on, Hayes uh, wants to constantly sign up these uh, headshots, but Wesley says no more and he grabs the table and brings it into the ring, brings it into the ring. Now... They have a face-to-face -face in the ring there, which was really good. Carmelo Hayes, his mic skills is top-notch. Wesley, his mic skills is very good. He's getting better by the day. It's all about, uh, you know, you know, Carmelo Hayes is like, yeah, you know, you lost a couple of times and you folded like a like a, a folding chair. You're, you were like a folding chair during that uh, small town riot. It's like, whew, that was a nasty one. But it's, you know, Wesley, it's like, listen, all my life, I've been told that. All my life. But I proved them all wrong. I even became North American champion. It was some good stuff, you know. Um, but it comes down to this, uh, you know. It's going to be at Heat Wave. Heat Wave where this big match is going to take place. Carmelo Hayes feels for certain... There's zero chance Wesley's going to win this. But we'll find out. That's going to be really good. Anyways, that does wrap it up for this week's episode of the NXT. And as usual, for our podcast listeners, stay tuned for some SmackDown after this commercial break. After this break, scratch the commercial part. And for our viewers, this is it for this episode. I've been your host, Alip Hazlywood. For La Wrestling Show, stay tuned for another episode in a few days. So... Until then.
it's time to take a very cynical look back at SmackDown. On a wrestling show, oh, 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 baby. Well, well. Well, well. Welcome to the wrestling show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of uh, Representing the WWE and Alive from, of course, uh, the Scotia Bank in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's Friday Night Smackdown. Air date, August the 18th, 2023. This episode is the ongoing saga of the uh, SummerSlam's aftermath. That's right, still lots to talk about. Because, uh, you know, the huge thing with the uh, the bloodline hitting the fan. Hitting the proverbial fan, as they'd say. Okay, so. Now, before we dive into the show, um, just got to say this. Uh, today is a special day in SmackDown. A special day in SmackDown. It is Edge's 25th anniversary of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. It's true. Big, big event today. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be celebrating that. Uh, Smack, uh, SmackDown or WWE celebrates it by having, uh, every now and then they have people uh, come in and chime in with a little vignette of how uh, Edge impacted their career. Or their lives. It's true. So there's a big kudos to Edge. And Edge has got a big old match. A big main event match tonight. Against longtime friend. Um, Sheamus. Now apparently they've never had a professional. They've ever had. They've never had a professional fight. Never. But they've they fought a lot. But never had a professional fight. So this is going to be a first event. First time event in WWE. Anyways. Before we dive into the show. Just a quick shout-out. That's right. Just a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. That's right. They are the uh, the glue that holds the building together. First and foremost, first and foremost, uh, he represents the authority figure. He represents the authority figure. It's uh, Adam Pierce. That's right. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage uh, scoops. It is the team of uh, Kathy Kelly and... Kayla Braxton. That's great. And of course, uh, heading to the ring, who uh, tells us who's about to fight and the results of such fights. It's Mike Rome, and most importantly, it's the commentary crew. And to me, it's feeling kind of uh, packed. You know, there's a lot really full because there's three people. Okay, first and foremost, um, we call them the narrator of the show. They're the play-by-play guys. Uh, the commentators, I call them the, uh, well, I call them the narrators. That's what I call them. Anyways, uh, now they're the team. Of uh, First, he's a man with the impeccable style, as usual. And, uh, of course, apparently, seeing Gunther's barber, he's the very reliable Corey Graves. Now, this next one, he's, uh, this man, Corey Graves, refers to as uh, KP. But we all know KP as a very enthusiastic Kevin Patrick. And drowning off the commentators, it's the longtime um, veteran of over, well over 25 years. It's 
Uh, Michael Cole. Michael Cole. Okay, Michael Cole. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with uh, the big show. So, yeah. We start off SmackDown. Now, SmackDown. I always say, when it comes down to Canada, Canadian shows, I feel that uh, most of the WWE roster has difficulties getting over the border. Getting over the border. It's true. That's what I personally think. Because tonight is a big proof. Big a proof. There's only four matches on the card tonight. And we start off with uh, the Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller effect. That's right. Who's going to get the Grayson, the Grayson rub? The Grayson rub. So Grayson Waller, he talks. Uh, he brings over two members of the, the Luftwaffe. Now, I'm the only one who calls them Luftwaffe. Um, they are the uh, Latino World Order, the LWO. It's true. And this includes uh, Santos Escobar and your new United States champion, Rey Mysterio. So they go to the ring there. And it's all, San it's, uh, well, Grayson Waller giving uh, props and flowers uh, to uh, both uh, Ray and Santos, calling Ray like, uh, oh, still making moments, are you, Ray? And, uh, you know, talk about, uh, now who's the real champion? You know, this is all what I think, too. It's all about uh, Ray Mysterio, and, you know, he needs, uh, um, he needs these opportunities. He stole, I think he stole this opportunity, like he stole all opportunities. He needs the, Rey Mysterio needs, needs to have glory over everything. Glory, it's all about Rey Mysterio and his furthering his career. After all, it lasted him this long. 80 years in the business. He's been in the business for a long time and Rey Mysterio has been on top. You can't stay on top if you're thinking about other people. you got to be on top thinking about yourself. Ask Dominic. Okay, anyways, so this is all about, but Rey Mysterio is saying that, hey, hey, this, uh, Championship, it's about, it's, I might have it, but it's about, we all have it, you know. It belongs to the LWO, the belt. But who carries it towards the ring, into the ring? Who carries it all the time? It might belong to, you might say, it might belong to the group, but really, the one who holds it, the one that belongs to, baby! Anyways, yep. And it's hilarious, Santos Escobar really playing up that knee injury. My goodness. He's wearing his nice suit and he had pretty well obviously obviously he has got to put the knee brace outside of his suit because who knows if he had it on the bottom and uh, in the inside you never know he's injured so i gotta show that hey remember my injury it's true so of course grayson does his best to uh cause a divide in the luftwaffe the lwo it's all good it's not great uh, now here's the thing they all start talking some more, and uh, it comes down to this. Austin Theory, he comes down to the ring. He marches down there, and uh, he congratulates Rey Mysterio for being the three-time champ. And uh, he said, congratulate that, but unfortunately, you, uh, where's your uh, Father of the Year reward? <laughs> ho, ho! Burn, baby. Anyways. So, of course, the match was supposed to be for, uh, the belt was supposed to be Santos Escobar versus um, Austin Theory. Santos Escobar is too weak. He wasn't strong, wasn't uh, man enough to fight Austin Theory. 
His knee gave out. His knee gave out. <laughs> Nefarious reason, but regardless, he couldn't fight and Rey Mysterio took his spot and clearly the outcome is what it is. Rey Mysterio is a new champion and it is Austin Theory demanding Adam Pierce to uh, return his belt. Hey, that's my belt. I never lost it to, uh, you know, I wasn't prepared. Well, regardless, he wants his belt back. Adam Pierce comes down there and guess what? Guess what? Before we can say anything, uh, we got ourselves a little bit of a L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight comes down there. And it is, uh, he's talking his talk. L.A. Knight, very confident in the speaking. You know, has something to say about everybody. But regardless, it's all about a proposal. L.A. Knight wants to fight Austin Theory for the right, for the rights to become the number one contender for uh, the new United States champion, Rey Mysterio. And of course, uh, Adam Pierce is all about it. All about it and it makes it so. It's because, you know, after all, you know, uh, Austin Theory came to the ring prepared in his gear. And so is LA Knight. LA and everybody else wasn't, of course. So now the match starts. The match starts. And the match was about 10 and a half minutes. It was a nice match. It was like, uh, you know, it was a barn burner. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun happening in this match here. Now I say that because the Miz, the Miz, joins ringside. He joins commentary, not ringside. He joins commentary. The Miz is hilarious, you know. Uh, and he's talking about. Okay, so Miz is probably one of the greatest on the microphone. He's talking about LA Knight. You know what? What is LA Knight? If he hasn't have any championships, he hasn't won a single championship gold. And so what is LA Knight if he's not without championship? He's like uh, Fandango without a pair of tap shoes. Um, he's like uh, Eugene, you know. Um, no, but anyways, he's like Doink. He's who be the next Doink to clown. Uh, what did they write there? Uh, yeah, he's like Eugene without crayons. My writing is the worst. Anyways, I'm keeping that in. Regardless. So yeah, um, Miz with some burns on LA Knight, clearly. Um, I think this is going to be good, LA Knight. Uh, Miz, this can only improve LA Knight. He's got to, LA Knight has to step up. You have no choice. If you're going to verbally attack, if you're going to have a thing with the Miz, you got to be prepared in all levels. So this can only this can only make LA Knight better as a person. If he doesn't, it would be tough. It'll be tough. But anyways, let's move on. Let's move on to what the match. Now the match was fun, like I say, because two times they they bring the match outside of the ring, out front of Miz, of course. There's four sides to the ring, and they pop out the Miz's side. Fight out front of the Miz. Miz has a couple of choice words because he's the, not an LA Knight fan. He's rather he's a more of a Austin Theory fan for the time being, you know, he's an enemy of my enemy, right? <laughs> it's my friend, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, they fight outside a couple of times. Second time they fight outside, it's uh, my goodness, LA Knight decides to use uh, you know, Austin Theory as a projectile, throwing him into the hapless Miz, just minding his own business, minding his own business, talking trash against LA Knight. Did he deserve it? Of course. 
So it might go on. Might go on. A lot of back and forth this match. Back and forths this match. You know. Now here's we got a moment here where LA Knight, uh, he uh, he cuts himself open. I'm thinking, how the heck did LA Knight cut himself open? Apparently, he goes for a neck breaker. Goes for neck breaker, jumping neck breaker. He gets uh, grabs, uh, you know. Austin Theory, but Austin, he grabs him, pulls him down, and I guess Austin Theory's uh, back of his head hit Austin, uh, LA Knight's front of his head, and he bled, not like a stuffed pig, but he did bleed pretty good, did bleed pretty good from his head, it's like, wow, that happened, anyways, the match goes on, you know, a lot of back and forth, like I say, uh, now at the end sequence here, The Miz, he gets on an apron there, he gets distracted, LA Knight, LA Knight's not gonna have it, he tries to bash Miz a little bit, Miz gets off the apron there. They fight on. LA Knight gets the old uh, DDT. Wonderful looking DDT. Austin Theory was a, with a wicked sell. Austin Theory. I could say. Like, Austin Theory. He's a future Hall of Famer for sure. For sure. Top talent. No diggity dog now. After that. Miz tries to interfere again. They run around the ring a little bit. Miz jumps in back in the ring. And he tries to knock off LA Knight's head with a clothesline. Misses. LA Knight knocks the Miz out of the ring and then stares at the Miz showing that, you know, he's uh, proud of what he did. And then next thing you know it, it's LA Knight from behind. Yeah, from behind, it's, uh, you know, Austin Theory with the schoolboy roll-up. One, two, three, it's over. That's right. Um, the backwoods, some would call it. Uh, and taking, losing with this move, it's uh, taking it in the rear because there's no more embarrassing way to lose a match than with a roll-up. I personally think how the match should have ended would have been great if uh, LA Knight's like looking at the Miz like, you, one more time, I'm going to bust your ass. LA, uh, and then uh, Austin Theory grabs the Miz, grabs uh, LA Knight from the shoulder, spins him around, kick to the stomach, then A-Town down. Quick, finisher, done and done. You know? LA Knight would be too uh, like surprised with what you know what's going on. Anyways, whatever, whatevs, whatevs. Moving on, we got ourselves a little bit of uh, a tribute to the Edge, the Edge of performance, the glory of the key. Anyways, yeah, Edge has uh, been praised by a couple more wrestlers. Edge, thank you. But seriously, though, a Hall of Famer, for sure. 25 years, Edge. We thank you. Okay, so next match. It is uh, it's a tag team match. Damage control, Bailey in the sky. And one thing great about this match, I got to say, one thing good for me. It is in this match here, we've got the, the sexiest woman of all of SmackDown. It's Bailey. I think she's she's got she's this by far the sexiest woman in SmackDown. Is, uh, but unfortunately, one thing for sure, Bailey does not know these facts. I think you know she's just naturally gifted with the curve. Anyways, Bailey, talking about Bailey still, she's sporting a uh, Chris Jericho hairdo, an old school throwback Chris Jericho before the Y2K, the Y2J Jericho, way back when. With the, the ponytail, the front of her head ponytail, Chris Jericho style, hilarious, you know. Bailey, she really hates having hair in front of her face. You can tell. But anyways, who are they fighting? 
why it's a team to put together a team of a Charlotte player and Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair. Yeah, it's Bailey and Eosky. I don't know if I said to you, uh, um, Bailey's partner. It's Eosky, the women's champion. That's right. First official match since uh, winning that uh, championship belt. So, yeah, this gets weird now. We have a sequence in the match here where uh, it's uh, Charlotte Flair trying to go for the hot tag, the hot tag to uh, Bianca. And it's Eosky. She was supposed to uh, do something. I think she was supposed to like like stop the tag from happening and it's eo sky like this is just one part of the thing it's supposed to be this hot tag it's supposed to happen and never happened and then eventually she gets a hot tag i suppose eo sky forgot about uh that event this this uh tag wasn't supposed to happen just yet so she goes to her corner and uh, bailey's like what are you doing you idiot your matches you're supposed to go down there it's scripted down there break the tag up now and it's weird because uh Charlotte Flair, she's going for the tag. She's getting closer. And she swipes. Oh, she, clearly she can get the tag. Easy get the tag. Easily she can get the tag. But somehow they don't they don't hit hands. <sighs> it was it was sad. And then she lays down there and she's waiting for uh, you know, uh EO Sky to do something. Where the hell are ya, EO Sky? You know, you missed your spot, you you're making me look like an idiot. And yeah, it's true. So she lied there for a bit. Um, Bianca Belair is reaching out her hand like, I'm here. It was weird. Maybe she'd put on it. I'm here. Me, 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 me. So yeah, yeah, it was it was just weird. It was weird. Um, so the match is a lot of uh, a give and take here. Back and forth. Now eventually Charlotte does get the hot tag into Bianca Belair. You know. The fight goes on. I, I gotta say one more thing about uh, this match before we carry on to the end sequence here. Uh, Charlotte Flair. She's got this move. It's a uh, front cartwheel. You see, like front flipping cartwheel. A flipping cartwheel. <laughs> and then she goes to a lariat. Now, it's all show. It looks like, oh, look at that. She's, she's, she's going on her hands. She does a handstand and she flips onto her feet. And then she follows through with a, uh, a lariat. Now, the problem with that is going through the somersault and when she gets back on her feet, all the momentum is lost. There is zero momentum. So, which actually takes away from the uh, lariat. I mean, if you were just to run straight at somebody, way more effective than doing what she does. It's ridiculous. I always say if she were to develop, to develop the, uh, you know, this buckshot lariat, to sling herself, sling herself over the top rope, and then with the lariat, that next level, that is championship Charlotte level. If she does that, gold baby. That's my just my opinion though. Anyways, moving on, moving on. Now we have a moment here where Charlotte she climbs on the top rope, and Bailey, thinking quickly, shoves her off the top rope. Now she lands on the ground hard, you'd think, because uh, she looks like she's twisted her knee twisted that knee and then you find that you know what uh this uh Bianca Belair tries to get in the ring there and she gets uh, drop kicked out of there and she finds that she twisted her knee too a double knee twist how about that you know what who would be proud of this moment oh my goodness Cody Rhodes he just loves twisted knees and hurt elbows those tropes are just a bomb baby so now here we go 
EOS guy decides to take full advantage and tries to stomp a mud hole in, uh, in uh, Charlotte Flair and throws her back in the ring there. And finishing her off, she tries to do with the over the moonsault. Over the moonsault. So, yeah, the moonsault, her moonsault is, it's a moonsault. It's a whipping moonsault. She does like a trust fall. She goes on the back. You now it's on top rope. She drops backwards. And then uh, she flips herself around. It's a moonsault. And it works. She doesn't get the pin because uh, Charlotte moves out of the way. She moves out of the way. Moves out of the way. And then, of course, uh, Yo Sky, she tries to do the, tries to spear her in a corner, but however, doing her perfect impression of Otis, rams herself, shoulder first, into this post, into the ring post. Bailey tags herself in, only to end the match. You know, she gets herself clobbered. Charlotte ends up tagging out to uh, Bianca. Bianca gets uh, Bailey into the kiss of death. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, at least we got to see Bailey in Tirana. In Tirana! Uh, she didn't get the love I thought she'd be getting in Toronto. Oh, he wants a Bailey! Ooh. Whatever that song is, I don't know. I don't know. No songs. No flowers for Bailey in Toronto. It's a shame. No. And Bailey wore her, her best uh, t shirt in the ring. It's true. Anyways, we move backstage. It's with uh, Kathy Kelly. She's got a few words for uh, with Bianca Belair. About uh, so, uh, did you uh, did you think you got any payback from uh, for uh, with uh, the uh, damage control? Before she can answer, apparently no. Damage control with the big attack. Now, with damage control to the ringside, it is of course, uh, you know, Dakota Kai. She's I'm not sure why she's around there. She's just she's just. She's just a girl who hangs around the damage control, the people who do stuff. And this is no different, too. So, Bianca Belair is attacked by Bailey with a swift shot to the back of the head with a chair. They take her down. It's uh, Bailey and uh, EOS Guy just beating the holy hell out of uh, Bianca Belair. While watching backwards, watching in the back, it's, uh, you know, Dakota Kai just watching. Me, Dakota Kai, I'm watching. You know, I've got moral support. I don't know why I'm take bothering uh, Dakota for. Anyways, uh, Bailey ends up wrapping uh, Bianca's leg in a chair, and it's a uh, U.S. guy with a massive uh, shot to the leg. Whammo! So here we go. I guess now that uh, U.S. guy is a new champion, um, there's a lot happening. A lot of lot happening. A lot of women are fighting in the top part for uh, top spot in uh, SmackDown. And I think this is uh, where Bianca Belair, this is where she's going to take some time off, you know. Um, I guess uh, regroup herself, uh, give all the other women some a chance to uh, flourish for a little bit before she makes her return. So yes, right, I think Bianca Belair will be out for a little bit and this uh, knee injury will be the catalyst of why she's gone. Uh, anyways, moving on. Our next match, it is a... Uh, Tag team match. Now, these tag team matches have been very clean. Very clean today. Um, the first, Bailey and uh, Io and Charlotte, Bianca. Very clean. Tag ropes used constantly. Now, this one here, it was very clean too. Perhaps one time it hasn't been used. I'll go through that. But this was here, uh, was a little over, little over three minutes. This match was a little over three minutes. Mm -hmm. And when a bell rang like it did, it chimes. Okay, regardless. Um... So this was a lot of fun. 
this was a good match. Um, we got ourselves. Uh, well, I think this is more of uh, the new Street Profits: Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford versus the OC Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. You know, uh, and this is a like I say, this is all about the new attitude of the Street Profits. New, not not completely. It's an attitude, not new real look. Now they got the, the look has changed. They got the color scheme changed, or like the black and blue, the black and blues, and uh, go and uh, silvers. But I don't think the Street Profits can truly change until Angelo Dawkins can get rid of those damn basketball shorts and become a new Angelo Dawkins. Like you know, this is uh, this is the only tether I think that's holding Angelo back. Angelo's doing everything he can uh, in the ring there. He's a great wrestler. But as soon as he can get rid of this, this physical blockage that's holding him back, his old look. Gotta change all the way, Angelo. Gotta change all the way. Don't be afraid. You know, basketball shorts, you don't have to die on that damn hill. That basketball shorts hill. It's ridiculous. Anyways, in this match here, uh, now they are top tag teams there. Montez for proving why he's one of the greatest uh, Luce Libres in all of the business with a massive frog splash off the top. Now, they carry on. After that frog splash, Luke Gallows uh, comes in, breaks up the hole there, breaks up the pin. Um, now, the only tag in. Uh, now, it is Dawkins. He takes out Luke Gallows because Luke Gallows breaks up the pin there and he throws up Luke Gallows and goes back outside to get a tag in from uh, Montez Ford. Now, this is the tag where he just didn't bother with the rope. I noticed. Only time. So, the match goes on. They eventually... Well... I'll just uh, point out the tag. But the fight goes on and it gets weird too because it was a missed call. There was a missed call in this match here. Kevin Patrick... I'm not sure what happened, but uh, Kevin Patrick, I guess he was looking too far into the script. He got confused of where he's at because there was this move. It was a backdrop driver followed with the neckbreaker. Backdrop driver, neckbreaker combo. So, uh, yeah. And this was why Kevin Patrick called this a magic killer. The magic killer! This is not the magic killer. Do you know what the magic killer is? And not and one person, not anybody, called Kevin Patrick on this Corey Graves doubled down on his mistake and he backs him up. Yep. It was a magic killer. It's like, really? Really, guys? Come on. Not a uh, Michael Cole's like, yeah, that was uh, that was just a, a random tandem move. A random tandem. But regardless, it was hilarious. Moving on. Then, after that move, it is um, the OC. You know, picking up uh, Dawkins for a magic killer, the actual magic killer. You know, but Dawkins kicks out of that move there. Kick then they, both of the, uh, I believe the OC uh, fall out the ring there for one massive, to collect one massive over the top Tope Suicida by Montez Ford. Massive high flyer. I'm surprised I didn't see uh, Angelo Dawkins do a single high flying move. Angelo Dawkins, I thought he was working on his uh, Luce Libre skills. He's been doing very good uh, high-flying maneuvers, but today, not a single one. Not a single one. I guess the flowers goes to, uh, you know, Angel uh, Montez Ford. Montez Ford. So in there, uh, Carl Anderson's thrown back down the ring. 
And with their new finishing move, the Street Profits got a new finishing move. It is a, a sky high, I suppose they call it. They, Michael Cole called it a sky high chokeslam. It's a power bomb. It's a sky high power bomb. It's not a power bomb. This is not a power bomb. This is a, uh, what's that? Um, a spine buster at best. It's a uh, sit down spine buster. That's what it is. The sit down spine buster with Montez Ford with a neck breaker. And that was it for the OC. They're doing what they do best is job to other people. Now will the, uh, uh, yeah. Will the uh, Carl Anderson Duke Gallows ever become champions in the WWE? I don't know. I do not know. But right now, the tag team division WWE is pretty trash. Gotta say, pretty trash. The men's bad. The men's division is bad. The women's is even worse. Worse. You know? Okay, moving on. Yeah. And it's Bobby Lashley celebrating with his new team with their victory. Yeah. And it was pretty fast, too. The match, like I say, about a little over three minutes. Three minutes. The random length of a commercial break. About three Three minutes, three and a half minutes is a commercial break. Okay, so now we go backstage with uh, Kathy Kelly. She wants a big old, or it's uh, Kayla Braxton. She wants a big old scoop. She wants a scoops with uh, Paul Heyman. What's going on with uh, with Roman Reigns? What are the rumors? I heard there are rumors. So yeah, it gets weird, you know. Uh, of course, none of the bloodlines there today. You know why? I mean, Whew. yeah, they need some time off to let this thing simmer. So, but, uh, well, of course, but even this one here, I'm thinking uh, now this segment is played on SmackDown, but is, is, was it even recorded on SmackDown? Is Paul Heyman even in Toronto? I don't think so. I don't even think so. But anyways, Paul Heyman gets a phone call and big news. Jimmy Uso will be here on SmackDown next week. Yeah. Next week, Jimmy Uso. Will people go, oh, yay, Jimmy? Or will people go like, whatever, Jimmy. Whatever. Okay, next up. We have ourselves a little bit of the uh, our main event match. It's uh, celebrating Edge's 25 years as a, a WWE competitor. It's Edge versus his best bro, it's uh, representing the brawling brutes. It's Seamus. Seamus. That's right. Um, I call him uh, instead of the uh, the brawling brutes. I think he should rename his uh, team, the his group, the uh, the House of uh, Shay. The House of Shay. You know, I think that sounds cool. It sounds cool. The House of Shay, rather than uh, you know the brawling brutes. Anyways, this match here was. Uh, Pretty damn phenomenal. Pretty damn phenomenal. About uh, 17 minutes long. A lot of back and forth. This was great. Uh, now, watching the match was his family. Was Edge's family. Beth Phoenix and his, his girls all watching the match. You know, riveted. You know, Beth Phoenix was really into the match. Her heart was on. I really think Beth Phoenix, she, she's got to return to the commentating table or see something. Um, I think when she was, she, she did a fantastic job. I don't know why she stepped away from the commentating uh, booth. Uh, regardless, regardless, this match. What about this match? Now, we had some hardcore moves this match. This match was great. 
um, they're doing moves that they would never have done before. You know, never have done before. Now, um, Sheamus is standing on top of the apron there. Edge slides out from under these feet and picks him up and power bombs him outside of the ring. On top of the five inches of foam, on top of the uh, concrete floor. So these mats are just incredible. My goodness, my goodness. But I'm pretty sure you're gonna feel the smack of the pay, of the uh, when you're getting taking the bump, taking the bump. Anyways, moving up there, uh, Edge going high flying with the massive high cross body into the ring. Beautiful move. Now Edge even throws his body on the line with another Tope Suicida. Sheamus standing on the apron outside the ring on the apron. He gets speared, a la Biggie Langston style. Inside the ring, outside the ring, it was devastating. Now they even had a moment here. A lot of times these uh, superplex moments are ruined by, uh, you know, people not going all out. The superplex is ruined by the second rope. People going to honest, like superplexing someone off the second rope is ruining the superplex. If you're gonna do, an, if you're just gonna superplex someone off the second rope, just do a regular suplex. If you're going to superplex somebody, do it like this. Off the top damn rope, baby! It was great. This match was just really, really entertaining. I mean, the Toronto crowd was uh, on their tippity toes. On their tippity toes. Now, we have a move here also. Uh, Seamus, he's got the, uh, some people call it the, uh, the Celtic Cross. Some people call it the, uh, the Razor's Edge, either or. Edge got uh, Celtic crossed, razor style. Anyways, we move on. Edge eventually gets uh, the beats the baller on his chest there. He just gets beaten down, beaten down. The referee doesn't care. Does he count? No, doesn't matter. No, it was a lot of fun. Uh, now, this was match of the night for sure. Even though the ref doesn't really bother about counting on uh, people being raped on the ropes. So the match goes on. Edge tries to get uh, set up uh, Sheamus with a massive spear. He gets caught with a massive flying knee to the face. And then, oh my goodness, Sheamus tries to put this whole thing away with the massive uh, bro kick. That's right, a bro kick goes to the pin. But however, Edge kicks out of the bro kick. It was really, it, you know, when people kick out of finishers, it, it's great when they do it every now and then, but uh, you know what? If they make a habit out of kicking out of finishers, it gets tough. It gets tough. But this one here was perfect. It kicks out of finisher. And then uh, the match goes on. Sheamus tries to finish it again with another bro kick. Maybe one more bro kick would do it. Just bro kick. Edge sidesteps it like a manadore. Like a contisidore. Moves it out of the way. And then with a schoolboy tries to pick up a win over Seamus. Seamus kicks out of a schoolboy. How'd you? How, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, who kicks out of uh, the, you know, the backwoods? Nobody. You know, it's true. So, uh, yeah, it's kicked, kicked out of it. And then uh, Edge hits Seamus with a massive uh, spear, baby spear. So yeah, it goes through his pin, but doesn't happen. Sheamus kicks out, and they both go through respective corners, go through respective corners to uh, 
um, contemplate life itself. And then they decide to go for a battle one more time. Who's quicker? Seamus with his uh, bro kick, Edge with a spear. Who's going to win? Why? Edge. He gets a spear in before the bro kick. One, two, three. Match is over. Beth Phoenix moved to tears. Her, their kids moved to tears. It was a really good match. Really good match and respect all around. Given by all. And the music hits. On my face. I use eczema, I see all my zits fade away, on my feet, I use sparkly clean, for the chance to feed, the chance to be alive. That's right. Now, that was fantastic. Fantastic end to uh, the fourth matches of the night. Now. That does wrap it up for this episode of SmackDown. And also, for our uh, podcast listeners, this concludes the entire episode of The Wrestling Show, the culmination of the three shows. Now, for all of you who have uh, stuck around to the very end of the show, I hold a very special place in my heart just for you. So, uh, join us again on our next episode of The Wrestling Show. I've been your host, Lip Hazelwood, saying a bye for now.